On this episode of the Southern Fried Philosophy Podcast, Kid Rock gives the middle finger. We have a KFC Cinnabon Biscuit Review. And our special guests, Marlene Childers and Leanne Jackson, discuss teacher issues in the North Carolina Teachers Strike. All that and more on this episode of the Southern Fried Philosophy Podcast. Here we go. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Southern Fried Philosophy Podcast, where it's two guys take on life, liberty, and the pursuit of gravy, and you, the listener, are getting a degree in common sense. We are broadcasting from the Busted Knuckle Studio right here in beautiful downtown historic Concord, North Carolina. I'd be your host, Biggin, and how about you? We've got a great show lined up for you, as always, but before we begin, let me introduce you to the second half of this flaky biscuit. That's right, I am talking about the pride of Anderson, South Carolina, but most of you probably know him best as the Silver Tongue one, 2016's Honorable Mention Father of the Year, the inventor of the redneck egg roll. Give it up on old mic number one, it's Mojo! Thanks for tuning in once again uh, this week, guys. Uh, you can go to our website at southernfryphilosophy.com, our Facebook page at Southern Fry Philosophy, Instagram and Twitter is the SFP Radio. You can also go to Apple, uh, the iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeart, pretty much any podcast app that you uh, that you use. Just go ahead and uh, put Southern Fry Philosophy in. Give us a like. Um, go ahead and subscribe or re- give us a review. That's what we really kind mm-hmm. of aim for. We appreciate everyone who's been doing that. Actually, our listenership has kind of quite grown in yeah. the last few weeks, and uh, we really appreciate that. I'm not sure what we're doing different, but hey, I'm glad you found us. it to um, producer Brian's okay. awesome skills. Well, thank goodness we didn't contribute to bourbon. So. <laughs> <laughs> or that. <laughs> that would not be a good thing. Anyway, we appreciate you guys tuning in and uh, look forward to doing the show. Yeah. Uh, I've mentioned to you before, and I'm going to do it again. This show is free to you, but it is not free to us. We have expenses that we incur to bring you the content. However, to make the show better, we need your help. That's where we're going to point you to our Patreon link on our website, southernfriedphilosophy.com. There you're going to find three different levels that you can help participate in the show, the Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Gravy tiers. Just check those out. There's 5, 15, and 20. Each one will give you something different. And what it does is help with the production costs of the show so that we can do this more frequently and to give you better content. Please think about joining the SFP family. We appreciate that. We also want to say... Shout out to our new listeners from Corinth, Mississippi, Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Should we go boo? And then Patterson, California. Patterson, California. Finally, somebody on the West Coast. Can I tell you this funny story? When I was a youth pastor back in the day, Mm -hmm. uh, it was a small little country church, and we had business meetings like the the first Sunday of the month. Uh, I've been, I was there for about a year. And the old gentleman in the back looked at the budget and he said, who's this JT Patterson guy and why are we paying him so much money? Mm. So obviously uh, this guy must have been sleeping in church. Oh, yeah. He's he's definitely been sleeping. Um, when I resigned from that church, I signed my letter, JT Patterson. There, there you go. So when I saw Patterson, California, I thought that was pretty funny. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. Um, I, I guess that, that's where probably Patterson Air Force Base, I think. Oh, is that I it? I think. I could be wrong, though. Ooh, was that the one on uh, 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 Independence Day? 
Could be. I know that. Uh, I know that some of the uh, after hours podcasts I listen to after midnight. I know that they're always seeing UFOs out there in Patterson, <laughs> California. So <laughs> the old coast to coast, yeah. eh? Something the ground zero, climate, oh. climate, so, uh, coast to coast. I I can't quite stand for that. So five degrees of separation. Then, then we are five degrees close to Will Smith. If they're listening from Patterson Air Force yeah. Base, which was on Men in Black or uh, Independence Day, and Will Smith played in Independence mm. Day. We're three. We made it in three steps. <laughs> there you go. We're so close to him. I can this world him. is so interconnected. <laughs> We've documented well on this show how much I love Will Smith. Way more than I should. Yeah. Little man crush. There you go. Uh, Mojo, I'm going to ask you like I ask you every week. I'd be darn. Well, um, well, I think we're finally in the warm weather. So uh, it, is mm. officially, it is official season. That way everyone can complain on how hot they are. Yeah, that was your Facebook. complaint yes, yeah. last week. Yeah, so everyone's already seen the post. Everyone's already complaining about wanting, wanting fall weather, I guess. Yeah, so, uh, I'm ready for the fall. Can't please everyone. Here's the thing that I don't remember every year when it starts to get hot is how much I sweat. Mm. I usually forget that from fall to winter yeah. and spring and then summer hits and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm just like a water fountain of people <laughs> of sweat that just oozes out. A pool. A I get pool. I wish I wish I wish I was like the hippopotamus that when he sweats it was it's pink. <laughs> <laughs> Then they know you're sweating. It's like oh, you know, yeah, it's like probably, a mood ring. That's probably yeah. not a good idea yeah. then. But it's supposed to keep you cool. That's right. So there's that. Uh, in studio with us, we have producer Brian. Us. Howdy. And his beautiful wife, Marlin. Oh, hi. How you doing? Very Is nice. that okay that you I said that? You brownie points here? I think so. She's not hiding from anybody. Okay. All right. I'm <laughs> just Mrs. making... Mrs. Producer Brian. Mrs. <laughs> producer Brian. That... Listen, I tried... Code to... name Carmen San Diego. You, you may have not heard the nice. episode where I tried to call my wife Mrs. Biggin, and she was not happy about that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. That was not a good move, kids. <laughs> Um, so they're in studio with us, so we're excited to have them. So how you be doing? Uh, I'm good. The wife is getting ready for Derby weekend. That's our big uh, weekend yeah. at the Hizzy. So the big shindig. Got the uh, cucumber sandwiches, I guess, ready? Yeah. We're, well, we haven't got them ready yet, but we've got the cucumbers. Yep. Hot, um, bra- hot browns. The hot browns. Wow. The derby pie. Derby pie. Mint juleps. The mint juleps will be flowing, my friend. Um, and uh, there's um, uh, country ham and biscuit. So that will be there. And then um, I said bourbon meatballs. No, right? you didn't say that. Mm, well, there's those. And then, yeah, plenty and plenty of bourbon, which is my favorite holiday. Hmm. It should be a day off. <laughs> it's, it's a holiday. <laughs> probably will be for you if you eat all that. Sure. All that. Yeah. Good gracious. So it's great food. Good times. Great times. Everybody yeah. get your, get your uh, wanky hats out. Mm. Your what? It's a family show. Watch it. The wanky. I said mm. the wanky. This is the one time a year where I have to put up with Johnny Swim on TV. Uh Not Johnny Swim, because this is the problem. I always get Johnny Swim with Johnny Weir confused. You remember, you know, the guy that wears his like little poofy hat? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That I don't, I'm not a big fan of. (laughs) But his name is Johnny Weir. In my head, I still think Johnny Swim is Johnny Weir. So I refuse to listen to their music. How about you? (laughs) What is wrong with me? (laughs) The degrees of separation today (laughs) just keep flowing from it. Uh, The Southern word of the week is stark. Uh, we may know this is like a stark contrast, but oh no, not in the South. I tried to watch Game of Thrones, but it's stark. It's oh, dark. Yeah, well. There was the complaint this past week that the last episode was way too dark and you couldn't even see anything. <laughs> so <laughs> there you go. That, that was the biggest stretch known to man on that. <laughs> That's all right. Um, all right. So let's go into some wacky news brought to you by Webmerized. If you need a clean, crisp website, check out our friends out at webmerized.com. 
That is webmerized.com. Oh, buddy. Come on, one of those days. Our, our poor youth. <laughs> our youths, as they say. Oxford University professor. Just by the headline, you think, this guy knows what he's talking about. He's an Oxford professor. He's, a, he's learn, learned. He's a learned man. Yeah. Oxford University professor claims that aliens are here and they're breeding with humans. Mm. Maybe it's the Nephilim. Oh, well, may, I don't think so, because there's some weird stuff the guy is saying. Uh, again, Oxford University professor says that uh, Dr. Young Hei Chi, mm. it sounds like I sneezed. He sounds, he sounds important. Teaches at Oxford University. He teaches Korean, but that hasn't just stopped him about delving into other subjects like the idea that aliens are here and they're breeding to create hybrids that are better suited to survive on their home planet and ours. Um, in, in summary, the, the professor is saying that the reason why the aliens come down is because they're inbreeding with us is because they have to protect us from climate change. Um, I don't even know how to answer. I don't know how to question that. <laughs> that we're destroying ourselves. Right. So they, um, they, they're here so to protect they're, us. They're, they're breeding to, pro- to protect us. Right. Right. But if, if we turn this whole thing around mm-hmm. and do the, the moral thing, then they'll leave us alone and go home to their own planet. So is this consensual breeding? I, it doesn't sound like it. Is this abduction breeding? I, I there, it is abduction. Is, this a me, is it a Me Too movement? Oh, maybe. What about the aliens? Man, I mean, how would you even put them in the court of law? Well, you don't know who they are because according to the doctor, we can't see them with our own eyes because we have oh. to depend on our own organs to see things. But there could be other organs where we can see other things. Do you remember, do you remember, the, the, uh, do you remember the movie They Live? With uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper, do you remember that movie? <laughs> no, they I had don't. special glasses that they would wear, and they yeah. could see the aliens. Uh, you have to go back and check this movie. It's probably back in the mid eighties. I'll, I'll have to you check have to it out. That, yeah. There are four times of, four types of aliens that are already here. The small ones. That's all he said. Just the, <laughs> the small ones, tiny or tall and bold ones. Aliens with scales and snake eyes. Mm, the reptilians. And finally, insect-like aliens. They're already here, and they're roaming around, which would almost make sense because the insect ones, like the, the la cucarachas, will survive whatever happens. So that kind of makes sense that the insect ones Maybe are Maybe it's the mosquitoes. That's this time so of year. Which to... ones are breeding with people? All of them. And wouldn't people notice that? But they don't know that because they don't have the special... Is there a dating app a... for this? <laughs> like, like a Tinder? <laughs> Tinder. You know, like a, yeah, it could be a grinder. Of course, you would be breeding there, but... Well, now, y'all, this is an Oxford University professor. Where's the Will poor, Smith? The poor children. <laughs> yes, we're going yes. back to Will yeah. Smith. Or Will Smith's son. Oh, yeah, that kid. Yeah. Hey, buddy. Steps on. Yeah. Um, so I just thought that was weird, you know? That- oh, that's very weird. I, I mean, hmm. I guess he's a tenured professor. Professor, I guess he could say what he wants to. I mean, because. <laughs> can I show you? Can I just show you his picture? Look at that. Oh, no. That is not him. I don't. That's what's that's what's on the cut on the article. Y'all. <sighs> I mean, I, can't, I, can't I think be. he got he got into conference one time. Got a picture of him. It looks like he took mm-hmm. all the cannabis and rubbed it all over his body. <laughs> and then that's how he came up to his, his hypothesis. Have, but let's be honest. Can we just be honest? If we strolled through Walmart late at night, mm-hmm. how many people, after reading this article, would you say, mm, that's one of them? Oh, yeah. No, no, that's yeah. one. I, I, yeah. yeah. It's like I, Pokemon Go. <laughs> you have to find them. <laughs> I like that. 
<laughs> I love it. Y'all, that's something. That's something. Do you know it takes a customer three seconds to decide whether to stay or leave your website? That's why a crisp, clean, and user-friendly website is one of the best ways to market and help and grow your business. At Webmerized Web Design, we offer that and much more. They pride themselves in offering their clients professional websites at affordable prices. Are you a small business? No problem. We can cater to small businesses by working with their clients every step of the way to meet their needs and expectations. Their number one goal is to partner with their clients to help and grow their business with a successful website. They work for every client, no matter the size. So if you'd like a great website, go to webmerize.com, W-E-B-M-E-R-I-Z-E-D.com, or you could check out their link on the sponsors link of our website. If you mention the word biggin, you'll get 10% off your website design order. Again, webmerize.com. Check them out. Uh, there's the other, another story. Remember a while ago, there was a New Hampshire man that uh, did not get his way with a government uh, policy that he wanted. Mm. And he, it was a business permit. It was a business permit. The government shut him down, and he uh, put up a giant middle finger to the town. Right. A, a big statue. Not not a little one, but this, I think it was carved, right? Yeah, it was a giant wooden one. Yeah. It was lit up at night, so when you drove by, you can... You can see the old guy giving him the middle finger. Well, Kid Rock got a hold of, got a hold of that guy and said, "Hey, where did you get that statue from? I want it." Now the uh, the musician has put a giant middle finger sculpture in his Nashville property, saying, "Hello, world, how are you?" Did he give a reason cost of doing that? He did not. Just because he liked the New Hampshire statue, the New hmm. Hampshire man statue, he decided he wanted to do that. Of course, I wouldn't think Kid Rock would have any, like, thing behind it to say. Oh, well, I don't know. He's, he's kind of political. But I, I would be kind of curious why he didn't place it in Michigan, because the whole state just needs the middle finger. So. <laughs> Good gracious. He put it on, uh, put the giant middle finger sculpture in his natural property, but that's the only thing that, uh, that the room. The article is saying, and I think he's, I think he's a multi-millionaire made sure. over, and I think he still lives in a double wide. Does he really? I think he does. I think I read an interesting fact about him. So he still lives in double wides. Hmm. How mad do you have to be to pay for that for right. a statue like that size? Because remember, the guy was paying like, oh yeah, well he, the guy fifteen thousand dollars for that thing. Yeah, was, but he also like, he also lost a buku a bucks too, right? From New Hampshire. I mean, I, the New Hampshire guy has cause. I mean, sure. I, I mean. Yeah, lucky it's just a middle finger because I mean they prohibited him from doing business on his own property that he paid for. Yeah, no, that could have gone. But the Kid Rock thing, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't yeah. know if that's just a, a publicity stunt or Nashville did something wrong. I don't know. It depends. I, mean, I don't know. Let me. I'll, maybe next week I'll have a big middle finger in my in my uh, yard <laughs> if I get a ticket on the way home. So maybe he was really frustrated at the the NFL draft. And I'm just like, ah, not again. Nashville. Well, I don't think he's, I don't think he's a, I don't think he's a New York Giants fan. I think they were pretty frustrated. <laughs> so. How about them picking up the, out of the number five yeah, pick, yeah. picked up a Duke quarterback? Oh, well, I mean, he, he did for a Duke quarterback. He had a pretty good year. They still um, a football team? Yeah, believe it or not, yeah, they do. How about I, it? I mean, I, 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 I are you talking about the New York or the Duke? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> good point. I well like played. that. Yeah. Yeah, I, that was kind of surprising. I mean, but yeah, I don't. I guess Eli Manning is uh, on his way out. I would have to say. Yeah, but I mean, there's never he was he was decent in you know in college. But yeah, yeah. I mean, he he wasn't like a you know like 
a couple of years back, Blake Bortles, mm-hmm. who played for UCF, you know, University yep. of Central Florida. Now he was a great quarterback on an underrated team, you know, right? And took them pretty far. Uh, I mean, Duke, you know, kind of skirted in the top twenty-five a couple times, mm-hmm. but nothing. I would be like, oh yeah, this guy's first round pick because I mean, top ten. Yeah, I think those guys get paid, you know, guaranteed, guaranteed, guaranteed money. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, I guess New York saw something. New York fell in love with him. The fans did. The fans' reaction was just priceless. But the uh, one guy where they panned to the fan right after yeah. to pick, and he was just like, "What the?" And they yeah. had to go back and see that every year. That's that's what the New York or New Jersey or New York Jets. Mm. That's what they. That's their fans. Their mm. reaction. Oh, I mean, you could they could pick you know Jesus Christ superstar, and they'd be like, "Oh <laughs> man, really that guy?" I mean, so yeah, that's usually the Jets uh, fans' reaction. Yeah. But that's over two hundred thousand people showed up. Yeah. To um, this draft. I think it's probably the largest they've ever had in uh, the NFL draft history. I mean, it's a, it's a big deal now. Yeah. I mean, it's I remember year, yeah, years ago, it was just, you know, a couple people in a, in a you know, a small arena or, mm-hmm. uh, or a small state, not state, small, you know, Coliseum or something. Right. And now it's just morphed into it. I mean, um, I, I just added a little caveat to the wacky news in the draft. It was actually uh, a bri- <laughs> uh, brides to be had their bachelorette parties in Nashville that weekend, wah, and, wah. and uh, they're asking for compensation. Some of them are for their <laughs> weekends being ruined for their bachelorette parties because all the uh, rowdy football fans. But, I mean, did they not look ahead to say, hey, what's happening in Nashville this week? I, I don't mean, know. People are going to be complaining all the time about something. So that's just par for the course. Yeah. Let's go to Hot Topics, brought to you by um, Watchman Cigars. You like their... Cohiba? No, no, no. I, oh, I, I like all of them, or but the, I, but the one that you know, if it was gonna be like a, a a regular smoke, would be the signature blend, it's the yep. cognac, 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 Cohiba cognac. There it is. But no, I, I really enjoy that. Uh, good thing about Leon, Leon Tanner from Watchman Cigars, he uh, custom blends all his stuff, so it's not like you know you're getting just a, a regular smoke or everything is kind of unique and has mm-hmm. a unique flavor. Everything yeah. has a unique profile too. So. That's uh, one reason why we we have partnered up with Leon, and we thoroughly enjoy his product, and yeah, just good stuff. Yeah, and I love the fact that you can be like, "Hey, Leon, I'm having a bachelorette party in Nashville coming up. I need All my, my own. I need I need uh, cigars for this this event." And they'll be like, "Sure, we'll we'll hook you up. Yeah. Give you a different wrapper." you know, give you a signature taste and there you go. Yeah. And anybody, anyone who's probably local to the Charlotte market, you know, I'd say probably a good hour, hour and a half outside of Charlotte, he'll come mm-hmm. and do special events yeah. um, at your place too. So just a good guy to partner up with. Um, we've had Leon on, on the show a couple of times. He's, he's very community or, oriented and uh, loves partnership, uh, partnering up with um, yeah. people that he really has that core ideals with. So yeah. Yeah. I'd check him out and get in contact with him. And speaking of, there's an event coming up uh, May 9th. Excuse me. Uh, it's the uh, Goof Camp Comedy at Heist Brewery, bringing in some comedians. He's going to be there. Smokes, beer, comedians. It'll be a good time. Go to eventbrite.com, search Goof Camp Comedy. You can get your tickets there for 15 bucks. So Not bad. It'll be good. Good, good night, of, com- good night yeah. of comedy. There you go. Um, so you wanted to talk about Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Well, let's talk about that. Well, okay. The first season was pretty cool. Okay. I mean, granted, besides the Dark Lord and Satan worship, you know, but, <laughs> but you got besides it, that, yeah. But you got to take that kind of like sure. grain of salt. I mean, because uh, I don't think they're advocating for um, right out Satan worship. I mean, I could be wrong, but you know, <laughs> it's just it's, subtly it, in there. Right? It's le- it's left up to the interpretation. But <laughs> anyway, so Sabrina the Witch, um, 
they're they had like a Christmas special that came out. It wasn't very Christmassy, but <laughs> right. it was a Christmas special. I mean, imagine. Yeah, and um, anyway, so they had they had the show. The second season just dropped, and I started watching it. Probably like three episodes. In. I don't watch much TV anymore just because I don't have time. So mm-hmm. about three episodes in, there's a dramatic shift from the first Uh-oh. season. It's okay. all social justice warrior stuff. Oh, I mean, yeah, it switched. Oh yeah, I mean, and here kind of. I had to pull back from it. Now, um, I, I don't walk away from controversy, so I, I I don't understand what TV is doing this day these days, especially these you know um, platform streaming services now, where every show must have some type of social justice theme in there. Now, no offense to any of our LGBTQ community that may listen to us, um, I, have, I have no beefs with that, but you know. Part of the population is transgender is 0.6% of the whole population that identifies transgender. And, you know, right, 2% identify with, you know, the gay or lesbian. But it seems like every show that Netflix is putting out now has like 10% of the population is is either identifies that. And besides that, the social justice with uh, that Sabrina especially had to hit everything from race to sexual identity to misogyny. I mean, just, I think they have the whole watershed covered with, mm. with social justice. So is it them? I, I haven't seen the show, so I, I have no idea. Uh, my last Netflix show was black summer, which I'm confused on that one. <laughs> the, uh, the zombie one, the zombie one. Right. Um, but is it something they're just trying to highlight and bring the attention to, or is it like a clear cut? We have an agenda and we're pushing that. Well, I mean, of course, everything is going to be looked through your confirmation bias. Sure. So I, I fully admit that I have a confirmation bias as far no. as my, my political views and, <laughs> and, and interpretations. But for me, it looks like it's kind of more of that constant push of, of the culture that um, it just it, you can have entertainment without having to constantly push an agenda. And that just it drives yeah. me nuts. And uh, simple simple show that um that I, you just kind of sit down to put on the tube and and watch and all of a sudden you know you got social justice things and it just it i don't know i i don't dig that and obviously i quit watching the show just because i i want to watch it and i have to think and you watch a show like that and all of a sudden having to think about things that just don't make sense anyway mm-hmm. that but yeah besides the disregard for satanism you know I, <laughs> the first season is all right, is all right so show. season one you're okay with the satanism like yay satanism yeah second season oh we're gonna talk about racism i'm out <laughs> no no well <laughs> i guess you could say that. no it, it, i'm just but it's, just it's, saying. it's absurd racism <laughs> it's absurd like identity politics it's, it gets absurd like uh, hold, how does like how does a uh a, a girl identifying as a boy playing, wanting to play for a basketball team, have anything to do about worshiping Satan as God. I don't, I don't I'll get this. It don't follow the theme. So that's the thing that trips you up. Not about witches <laughs> talking cats or talking cats. Well, uh, the cat don't talk in this one. So oh, see, I don't okay. know either. So wait, does it pick up like from the old series from whenever? No, no, not really. It's, 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 it's a whole new, it's Sabrina. a, dar- it's a darker version of, of Sabrina. Oh. So, um, it's, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty morbid and dark, and uh, it it definitely not the um, regular Sabrina, the teenage witch, where you're like, ah, ha, ha, ha. it's like sitcom, you know, the canned laugh humor. So, yeah, I was what I was watching something the other day, and it was canned laugh, and I just couldn't take it. Like, just that was making me sick. I was like, because you could tell it was like the the laugh track. Yeah, I can't take the laugh track anymore. I just can't. 
So, Who does that anymore? So, so my question is, can we get a list of like Mojo's watch lists on Netflix? Because if I had to like pick shows for him to watch, this wouldn't have been definitely not. Have seen right. <laughs> that's a great point. Why yeah. are you watching te- Sabrina the Teenage Witch? For somebody who doesn't watch TV, that's the one that you pick. Right. Well, I don't watch a lot, but when I do, I'm watching Sabrina. Hey, I will. Bin- I will binge watch a season in no, you know, no time. Like there'll be like a day where I'm just absolutely worthless, and right. I will watch the whole season. So. Watch like our planet. Well, no, because you'll, you'll get riled up on that. Watch the Lion <laughs> King. Like, watch I, that I, one. Look, I've gone 42 years on this earth and I've never seen the Lion King, <laughs> so I plan on probably not seeing the Lion Jeremy King. Jeremy White, we apologize. We still have not Well, I, I will yet. watch and do live tweets on, yeah. uh, on Lion King for my first experience on that. No. All right. Hey, I like teenage drama. What can I say? I, I guess I'm young at heart. You can't get enough of the teenage drama? Let me just revert. Well, I'm, trying back to to I'm, trying to relate, I'm trying to relate to my kid, you know. Right. So I don't with think the it's Satanism. Go- it's research. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to see what these kids are into these days. Oh, I don't even know if I want to. All right. If you are in the market for a high quality cigar for a very reasonable price, you must check out Watchman Cigars. Watchman Cigars is a family owned business that puts the customer first with the best customer service in the business. Watchman Cigars offers the Habano for a full spicy flavor, the Connecticut for a mild, easy-to-smoke option, and the Maduro for a strong, powerful experience. They even do specialty blends and partner with you to provide a custom, exclusive line just for you. Watchman Cigars has all your cigar needs. Follow them on Facebook and Instagram at Watchman Cigars 1991 or email Leon directly at Watchman underscore cigars at yahoo.com that's watchman underscore cigars at yahoo.com or check out the sponsors section of our website so we're going to go to our next topic this week in aoc what do you got for us for alexandria oh i i don't know the o part ocasio ocasio yeah cortez cortez yeah yeah she's a she's a laugh a minute too so anyway this week she uh let me pull the article up here um, she wants to use our VA health system as um, uh, kind of basically a system for national health care. She thinks that the health care, uh, she thinks that the uh, statements of the VA is broken and um, hasn't had problems in the mm-hmm. past is basically overstated and basically that's just political, uh, political uh, ploys by, by pharmaceutical companies and insurers oh, okay. uh, that do not want to lose uh or basically lose money under this uh, mm-hmm. single payer healthcare. So, okay. um, yeah, she so she stated that she's of course being bl- uh, blasted by veterans and things like that. I mean, some just some of the latest um, veterans that have uh, a, ha- things that have happened with the VA. There's mm-hmm. been uh, a rash amount of suicides that have actually happened in the VA hospital or the VA oh. parking lots due to s- soldiers not being able to. to get treatment, you know, not get checked in. Now don't take this way. There's actually VAs that probably do a good job, but sure. as far as a, a whole, uh, far as a whole system is very broken. Um, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't fulfill this long wait list at some places, you know, for just simple, even procedures like, um, you know, like having a cyst removed. I mean, you could be a, a 12 to 16, 18 week, you know, wait on these things. Gotcha. Um, also getting meds and things like that. There's, it's not, it does some people right, but also I think as, as far as the whole thing, I think it's kind of disastrous. But anyway, so she's, uh, you know, her constant thing now is just healthcare and healthcare is a human right and things like that. So anyway, she just uh, so this week in AOC, she kind of put in her foot in her mouth with the VA because now she's being blasted by several veterans communities and veterans activists and things like that. So yeah. anyway, 
I think it kind of goes back to what you were saying. Like some of them are really good and some of them are really bad as a whole. I don't know, not a v, uh, veteran. Um, so I don't, I'm, I don't have a foot in that door. Right. So I can't make a, a comment, but she probably is not either. And so she, Oh, I think she's a veteran of bartending. That's about it. <laughs> As like experience, and she may have experience. I don't know. I just know that from from the stories that we've heard, and again, that could be completely biased on the stories that we hear. Um, it, they don't do a good job. So if you're going to say, "Hey, let's make the whole country like that," probably not a good idea. Also, to point out, like I tried to make a doctor's appointment the other day, and it was like two months in advance. Mm. Like I was like, and you, like you, you, you go to the doctor. Like, do you have? Those issues where you make an appointment but you got to wait. It depends on certain time. things. I mean, if it's if it's an emergency thing, obviously they're going to see. Sure. You. If yeah, it's just yeah. like a regular checkup, then right. you have to schedule that a couple months out. Yeah. But uh, the VA has had a history of numerous things have right. happened. So I'm not a veteran myself either. I can speak for people that I deal a lot with the veteran community. Right. And okay. I know that certain local hospitals do a great job. Okay. But certain hospitals do not. And um, they're fundamentally over, understaffed, overwhelmed. Um, they're under, you know, uh, their budget never is never there. Mm-hmm. So I, the problems I have with comments like this from her is that, you know, pretty much if she had her way in Uncle Bernie's, you know, we'd have everything would just be nationally mandated, you know, kind of like Venezuela. And of course, Venezuela oh, is a great, yeah, right Venezuela right is a great, great uh, snapshot of current socialism. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I think it's it, for people to place their trust in uh, the state and the state to do everything that they want. Um, I, I think that's just a bad representation of how how we're going to go down the culture and how we're going to go down with, as a society. So, yeah. Anyway. All right. Well, we're going to go to my favorite topic right now is this KFC biscuit review. Um, so yeah, I don't know if you saw you see the commercials. Uh, Cinnabon. I don't has, watch TV except well, for Sabrina. Sabrina. The they don't have. I wonder if Sabrina would actually do a commercial with them. I don't know. Um, to, the, to the Dark Lord. To maybe. the Dark Lord of Biscuits. Uh, Cinnabon, which will pimp their name out for anything imaginable. Cereals. Now it's KFC Biscuits. Uh, chapstick. Is it really? And yeah. The Taco Bell thing, too. The little Cinnabon, the cheesecake oh, the things that we've, we've discussed. I had my first Cinnabon about a year ago, and it's pretty... Cinnabon's pretty, legit. Pretty damn oh, delicious, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's very good. I think I ordered one for me and Larkin to split, and I think I ate the whole thing. I just, <laughs> Take yeah, that, just kiddo. Constantly kept pushing her away. Life's not fair. Learn, learn about right. it. So KFC has uh, married with Cinnabon. Now they're putting the the biscuit with the Cinnabon and... Is there chicken in it? Yeah, the, can we get chicken sandwich made out of Cinnabon biscuits? That would actually, that's that's that would actually be really that good. Might, that might, Too far. All right. No, so, it's like chicken I'm a waffles. Cinnabon purist. Uh, Are you? Is, is this going to make you upset? I don't know. We're going to find out, I guess, though. All right. Well, this is great, great podcast and great radio. You get to listen to us eat. So here's the – it is pretty packaging, though. You got the Cinnabon, like dessert biscuits crafted by Cinnabon. Um, oh, buddy. I'm just saying. Can you guys say – Oh, okay. Uh, dibs on the box, right? <laughs> lick, lick the box. That's like the that's like the extra cheese on a burger wrapper. What is what does that look good to you or disgusting? I'm gonna take a. It looks good. It yeah, looks I think really it looks good. good. All right, so I'm gonna divvy these things up, and we'll see how this goes. The other thing, I, Mojo, I want you to discuss. I'm giving you the sealed package utensil. It, describe that from the chick uh, the KFC. No, what is that thing? 
it looks like a sport. It's kind of like an ergonomic. Maybe they're cutting all the plastic out to you know to save the earth. <laughs> but it's it's a weird looking. It's a spork, but then there's a shovel component to um, it. It's more it, fork than spoon. <laughs> yeah, but there's a nice. I don't, I don't know how to, I, it looks like something from Star Trek. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't quite get that. So this this is loaded with if you if you open the box, you may want to warm this up just a little bit. Um, it is covered with ooey gooey cinnabon. Uh, cinnamon, brown sugar, icing. brown sugar icing, and some yummy goodness. So, um, I tried to get them here as soon as possible. So, <laughs> but <laughs> can I have some extra ooey gooey? Is what you'd ask for. You can get as much ooey gooey as you want. So, I'm going to hand these out, um, and you guys can try them. Producer Brian's over there. Um, does anybody want extra ooey gooey? Here's the box. Anybody? More ooey gooey. It says it's finger looking good. <laughs> that's what the box says. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm a little worried, but we're going to dive in. So it's just the regular biscuit. Their, their normal biscuit isn't bad. It's pretty, you know, it's buttery, flaky. Uh, it could be dried I feel out. That, I'm telling you, I feel the Wilford Brimley should be on the box of this for the diabetes. What if he was the new KFC guy? Ooh, I like that idea. Have you seen the uh, new KFC uh, Chippendales commercial? Mm-mm, I have not. No. Producer Brian Shaker. I said. have seen it. Um, actually, so mm. I was on the Pinterest today because I have a Pinterest account because it's not just for ladies. Thank you very much. There you go. Was there any like articles cook, about Sabrina the Teenage Witch on there? No, but this. Do you look at this? Do, uh, do you look at do, do it yourself? Uh, ad kept playing in the middle of my. I'm looking for my Ch- oh, Chickendales. That's what I call it. Yeah, it's Chickendales. Oh, yeah. Okay. I don't. Not even sure who the current colonel is, but uh, I think they change it like about every other week. Mm-hmm. It's like they're Ch- getting a little Channing creepy Tatum with the commercials. I'm yeah, not they are. Lie. Yeah, the they're one that up. the one with the sun tanning colonel got me. I don't know if you saw that one. Mm-mm. Oh yeah, that was that was gross. Y'all, I got yeah. Be so I saw it because why does this keep showing up on my like? I haven't looked at Pinterest in a year. And I look at it because. We have a birthday coming up for a kid like, <laughs> looking for ideas for stuff. And it's like break out those have, uh, used pads. I have like guitar stuff, turkey hunting stuff, and then suddenly mm-hmm. there's Chickendales on my uh, feed. I don't, I don't know where they're coming from. All right, guys. Can we talk about this? This biscuit? What do y'all think? I'm thinking that's maybe the worst representation of a cinnamon biscuit. Mm. I second that. Yeah. But Bojangles has it better. Yeah, absolutely. Every day. I'll give you that. What do you think, Marley? Yeah, it's just a biscuit with some cinnamon on it. Yeah. yeah. The problem here is the biscuit, I think. It's dry. It's yeah. like, yeah. It, I'm not a KFC fan that yeah. way, but the biscuit. You also have very high biscuit criteria. Well, well, we all do, yeah. Mm-hmm. Bojangles make, is one of the better biscuits. What if, what if they put holes in it and then no, dropped I, it inside of it? These, I, if I'm not mistaken, this actually classifies as a biscuit that they were probably shipped on the Mayflower, you know, to, <laughs> along you know, for for, uh, for rations and yeah. things like that when they're trying to make the. Uh, this the, is how people got scurvy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you hand them an orange and a biscuit like this, man. So, are you saying what they should do is take the biscuit out and just eat the ooey gooey on the bottom? What of the I'm box? what I'm saying is that they probably should divorce Cinnabon. Mm. And or Cinnabon should divorce themselves because the yeah. topping's way too good for this biscuit. So that's, yeah, that's accurate. Now, I would I would maybe 
cut up the biscuit and mix it in so it's not as dry in the middle. Um, Actually, what I would do is I would I would crumble it up you're and right. then put it on top of a Bojangles biscuit, and then it <laughs> might be edible. Yeah, just go to Bojangles and buy that and then sell it in your store or give them away free or something. It'd be a better experience. What? Yeah. Now, now Bojangles, actually, they have their own cinnamon biscuits. Is that, mm-hmm. is that yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. I think cinnamon raisin, ain't it? Oh. No, they had a cinnamon raisin at one time. That was Hardee's. Oh, yeah. yeah. Now, the Hardee's one was actually That was really good. And then Bojangles, I think they come out with blueberry or well, bo- they, the, bowberry. The, yeah, the blueberry biscuit used to be like kind of like what this thing is, where it's a bunch of blueberry goop on top mm-hmm. of a biscuit with yeah. frosting, and now it's all baked in. It's still good, but it's not right. The old mm-hmm. ones were legit. Yeah, but the cinnamon biscuit from Bojangles is that. I mean, that's where you go. It's Krispy Kreme, Krispy Kreme level goodness. Where you Whoa. get you get them and. You, I mean, they sell them in like twelve packs. You see, know, I didn't and, even know this. I yeah, know they uh, had the pecan and twist. You can see the cinnamon on their glaze. Like you look at it, all oh, that cinnamon. Where this is like <laughs> sweet gravy. Mm. Yeah. This is just a, a biscuit disguised with a little bit of icing. I mean, it is not that great. Yeah. So you would you would not buy? How much was that? They're a dollar each. Yeah. So, so I mean, they. I would. Ask them to pay me a dollar each just to eat them. <laughs> so we're all for going thumbs down on this one. Yeah. Don't, now, if don't they would have put a fried chicken in the middle of it, maybe. Okay. That might, might make it a little bit more edible, but it's still dry. Yeah, I mean, it, it is. It is dry. Again, granted, this is this is a little bit old. So maybe if we. Well, how up, old is it? Uh, I picked it up at five o'clock. Uh, so what? An hour and a half ago. Yeah. Bojangles biscuits are still good. Like two days later. So they I are. Truth. I, I don't. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, all right. I, I, well, I'm, we, we we do know the level of uh, uh, quality employee sometimes at KFC. So they, sure. it, these could be biscuits from last I'm, week. I'm pretty confident though. KFC biscuits are just frozen and then just oh, yeah. taken they're, out. They're, they're not uh, they're not handmade like Bojangles. Right. Why is Bojangles not a sponsor for the show and KFC? Well, that, maybe because you just bash their biscuits. Well, I, we're pro Chick Fil A <laughs> minus the biscuits or Chick Fil A. That's what I meant. Pro Chick Fil A oh, yeah. minus minus the biscuits, but yeah. Yeah, if we can get Chick Fil A and Bojangles to be our sponsor, I mean, we've already got the Bojangles colors. Yeah, I mean, come on, y'all. You can't. <laughs> and we promote them quite a bit. You so. know, I sent them an email uh, to to see if they would be a sponsor. Oh yeah. Here's a shock. I didn't hear back. They said pound sand. <laughs> they didn't say nothing. Oh, kind of like most of my dates in high school. All right, so uh, we're going to take a break, and when we come back. We have Marlene Childers. She's going to talk about the teacher strike that was today. Um, Guys, you want to stick around for that. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Southern Fried Philosophy Podcast. We'll be right back. Hey, this is the Southern Fry Philosophy Podcast, and today we, uh, we're we discussing here in North Carolina, a couple of different states also, the, there's a teacher protest uh, for numerous things, and um, so this is May 1st, we're recording this, um, so May Day, so there's, uh, like I said, here, <laughs> May Day, it's, it's actually, actually, <laughs> yeah. technically it is, um, anyway, so in Raleigh, North Carolina, I think, uh, I'm not sure what the numbers were today, I think I saw one number close to 20,000 People showed up in Raleigh to wow. um, stage your griefs here in the Capitol. Mm-hmm. And anyway, so we have two teachers that we know. And um, 
So we have Marlene Childers, who actually goes to our church. And then we have um, Leanne Jackson, who is uh, Marty Jackson, who is one of the owners of uh, Commoners Brewery. She's on today. So we'll see this. And just for... um, just for pointers, I, I, there, there may be some things, questions I have or disagreements, and it's just meant in just the most respectful way. It doesn't affect the, how I feel about you guys and teachers in general. Just Right back at you. So um, please don't uh, <laughs> stab me in the eye. Uh, so so not, not today, Sabrina. <laughs> <laughs> not today, Sabrina. So let me get this straight. We're going to have a civilized conversation and, and potentially disagree but still, at the end of the day, still love each other. Well, it is 2019. You're not supposed to do that. That's but a I, shock. I, but I, I believe in civil discourse. So. <laughs> We're going to make it happen today. Now, when I go home, my wife may yell at me. She doesn't agree with civil discourse. I mean, she she likes to yell, and I have to just say, yes, ma'am. So there you go. <laughs> All right. So as we kind of get ready for this thing, let me go ahead and, and uh, do our disclaimer. The views and opinions of Southern Fried Philosophy are not necessarily those of our guests, sponsors, or friends of the show, but they should be. All right, so now you send your emails to mojo at SFP Radio for anything you disagree with. I'll take them all. I'm going to sit back with my popcorn and let you guys go. <laughs> all right. Marlon, go ahead and kind of, um, since you, uh, you're graciously to come on, we had your plan. So tell me a little bit about this, well, I guess the protest. And then, I mean, because they shut down schools, not all, not, not all counties shut down, not all a districts did, did, but though. a lot of them did. So kind of uh, give us some uh, grievances and just uh, just a little bit of a caveat this you know the the ncae the north carolina association of educators this is a kind of a planned event and they called it red day um, everyone kind of showed up with their red t-shirts on and 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 i guess solidarity i guess is a probably a better term to, to term to use so anyway kind of give us some some pointers i guess to talk about yeah so the teachers had five main concerns or demands was what they were saying. And so one of them, basically all of them together are about the constant underfunding of the school system in general. So it's not just about the teacher pay. It's about the school system, the public school system being underfunded in lots of different areas. So one of the demands was for nurses and counselors, psychologists, um, librarians, like the support staff who are certified support staff. Another demand was for bus drivers and um, cafeteria and custodial staff to make the same $15 minimum wage that all other state employees get. Um, another one was that they have taken away retiree health benefits for any state employees hired after 2021. Um, and then they eliminated the compensation for graduate degrees, which the um, they just rolled out the budget last night. They presented it and they actually addressed that one. They said that they're going to reinstate master's pay. So that's a good thing. Um, but so a lot of the discussion kind of around the education revolves around teacher pay. It kind of settles on that thing. And that wasn't one of the demands um, this time. What, last year, that was one of the demands. But they have they've done some work on that over the last few years, which is a good thing. Um, but I think the biggest thing for me personally is the issue of time, the time it takes to do the job outside of the hours that you're there to do the job well. 
um, the lack of a voice that teachers feel like they have, which is one of the reasons that they um, were saying we have to do this on a school day because we need to feel heard. And then a lot of times teachers are seen as public enemy number one in a lot of arenas. Well, most of mine were. <laughs> um, so those are the kind of the biggest issues, right? Oh, they, they also, um, one of the demands was also about Medicaid expansion, um, which is a topic for another day. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm actually cur- kind of curious about that because how does that even play in? I mean, what, 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 are, what are they asking for that? Is that for their, for students? I mean, is that for teachers? I mean, what, what I think the idea is for um, people who are at a certain income level to mm-hmm. be able to receive healthcare services, which makes up a lot of the public school population. And so okay. the idea is that if families are healthy, then the kids are able to get to school and everybody kind of benefits if the kids are in school. So there's some conspiracy theories going around oh, about no. this. Well, I mean, May 1st is, they call it May Day. No, it, follow me a little bit, okay? No, I, here it goes. It, it comes around. I'm not saying it's my conspiracy theory. Okay. I'm going to say it was a conspiracy theory. But, um, you know, so the NCAE adopted this logo of a clenched red fist. Well, they, there's also parallels to the Soviet clinch red fist as part part of the Soviet Union. But also May 1st is the May Day, May Day parades, uh, celebration of Soviet Union communism. So I don't know. There could be conspiracy out there. I don't know. <laughs> Sounds be- hey, it's much better than the, the stinking Cinnabon biscuit. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so, um, so I was kind of doing some research for the show. And, um, you know, 40% of our state budget goes to education. Yep. How do how, you know teachers are we're, we're we're saying we're underfunded? What what else do we need? I mean, forty percent forty percent of a state budget goes to it. What how? Number one, how much more? That's a good amount. I mean, when you're, when you're yeah, when your whole state budget, you know, forty percent of that is the largest single expenditure hmm. of all state tax dollars goes to education. So how I mean, how much more? And where does it come from? Yeah, I mean, those are great questions. I think the issue that the public schools, the teachers feel like is that it's constantly we're being asked to do more with less. And so they cut um, 28 percent for funding for TAs for teacher assistance. Mm -hmm. And then the biggest thing is in the per pupil spending. We are down over 50 percent from where we were pre-recession. So I think. So I may that? or may not have five pages of notes here no, I'm with the real numbers. I mean, the thing about it is, is people can say their opinions all day, but mm-hmm. I'm a fact. I'm a numbers person. I'm sure. Enneagram one. So I oh, like to no. know. What, not yeah, the I know. I know. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of math. I love, I love math. <laughs> I hate. I do love math. I'm, I'm thankful for math, but I'm so bad at it. <laughs> so, um, with the idea of the per pupil spending, we are 41st in the country as of 2017, which is the last time the numbers. So it's it's 50% of what they were spending on per kid. So in my personal classroom, I teach third grade. Um, I'm out of Kleenex. I'm out of pencils. I've spent well over $500 this year. Don't I mean, my husband's like, Sorry, I forgot my just, right what, what, is, what is that dollar um, amount? What is that dollar amount that they, we spend per per pupil? So the per pupil spending for like... Not even for just school supplies, but for things like textbooks and for things like building maintenance comes from a separate fund. And they did just pass bonds to address all those construction issues and everything like that. But a lot of it is just the investment in the school system in general. Marty, what are you saying back there? You're you're giving me hand signals. Uh, Per pupil, $9,528 per year. $9,528. And we're actually 39th now. (laughs) Moving on up. That's great. Projected to 29th for this fiscal year based on projected spending. 
Great. Okay. I don't know where I got that third. 9, maybe it was in, maybe I read the graph wrong. See, didn't do my math. Well, um, get Marty a mic. Just to kind of there you go. Just to kind of give you some. Um, let me go back to my chart here. Just to kind of give you some numbers here. Um, the average instructional supplies per per teacher is I guess five hundred eleven dollars a month. Um, average textbook spending per student is forty two dollars. <laughs> $42 for a textbook? No, per student. So, you know, well, I guess they have four classes that have books, five classes that have books that have $42 allocated per year. Gotcha. Now, you know, most of those books are, I guess, I mean, back back in the day, I mean, all my textbooks were already pre-highlighted from the previous 10 years <laughs> of students. So I don't know if that still holds true now. Mm-hmm. But so, uh, you know, these are these are real figures from the state of North Carolina. Now, okay. like I said, most of our most of our education dollars comes from the state. Now, the federal government does kick in a certain percentage, but it's not as big as what people would think. So mm-hmm. um, now, so I guess we we got a little over $9,000 we spend per student per year. So are, do you know what they're asking for an increase to that? That that wasn't one of the specific demands. That's just kind of in general. Like mm-hmm. that's one of the concerns. Is Now, that- I got a question for you right, right there. Because see, um, I... I believe there's answers to everything and I, we may not all agree how to get there, but I think there's answers to every, to, to every solution. Um, how does spending more per student produce better results? You know what I'm saying? I mean, like all of a sudden if they bumped up the, the, the student to the per student, you know, spending to $12,000 a student, how does that pr- produce better results? Will that, incre- will that increase graduation rates? Will that increase, College entries. I mean, you know what I'm saying. How would that? I mean, sometimes throwing money at a problem doesn't necessarily necessitate. Uh, necessitate. I can't. I can't talk right now. That's my. That's, my, that's right? my public education back yes. then. But no, I mean, it, sometimes money, just throwing money, good money at a problem, sometimes doesn't have the results that we intend. So I, I you know, what I'm saying. I, yeah, I totally agree. Um, the school that I used to work at, I worked at a school in East Charlotte. There were 31 fifth graders in a classroom and we have 14 books. And so it's, Whoa. it's kind of compounded over the years because we have been underfunding. It's not like a every year problem. We're getting textbook, textbook sure. new textbook, new textbook, but I'm even talking about things like novels. Like the teachers were having copy pages mm. from excerpts from novels so that everybody could have one to read. And so sure. it's been kind of like a year. It's not just, 2019, 2018, this year, it's been over and over and again. And so throwing money at each thing isn't the issue, but my desktop computer has, you know, like it moves real slow when you're trying (laughs) to do things. And so there's like equipment issues that teachers have. Um, And then, yeah, technology is a big big one. One, yes. I'm sure so more in the high school. Oh, yeah. Even we are one-to-one in elementary school right now. Well, and to go to the copy thing, when you're talking about textbooks, one, my complaint with textbooks is we're in the 21st century learning. We are digital age. Mm-hmm. We need digital media material. or means. Yeah. Yes. Totally. Especially I teach art. I teach visual arts at high school. So, you know, that's one of the things that I would like to. I mean, I have a Chromebook per student and that's good, mm-hmm. but it's not ideal for a digital art project and technology is a big thing. And we still have issues with students who do not have appropriate technology at home. There are some school systems who will give, assign a student an iPad or a laptop that they take home and bring it back and forth to school. Mm -hmm. But again, like it took us 
how many years before we got new computers this year? This year, we got new computers, finally. And it was nice because I got a Mac, and I love it. Mm -hmm. I mean, but it we were supposed to get it a year ago, and we couldn't. You know, or maybe it was two years ago, and we, we had to hang on to these older Dell laptops that were slug. So technology is a big, big thing. And then copies, the copy thing, yeah. <laughs> where teachers are having to make copies of her. And we have high school teachers that are doing that for novels because they don't have enough. Hmm. You know, kids lose books. There's We spend over – I'm on the SIT committee, which is the um, school improvement team. It's great. I was on another sick committee where I just sat there. That, I call it the complaint committee. I really do. But, I mean, they're valid complaints in, in a lot of situations and some. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> but the, our principal, when it comes budget time and the teachers are requesting money, and I have it pretty good at my school. I, I can't complain. I have a good budget. I usually get what I ask for, and I'm able to buy, you know, we bought a kiln this year for our ceramics teacher. So I, I, I'm not complaining about what the school Probably could have made you one on Pinterest. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Brian. How many pallets would you need for that? <laughs> Pinterest is my friend. But, um. You probably could use the Cinnabon he... disc, it says the clay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll throw the Cinnabon Cinnabon biscuit at the stuff that doesn't work. Right. There you go. <laughs> but um, the principal said we are spending thirty six thousand. I'm guessing. I think it's. I know it was over thirty grand on copies. Like I'm sure. Copies. And then we had old, outdated copy machines that were like you go in there, you, mm. you run copies. Like I, I mean, I've run copies some for art because we have quizzes or whatever, but. It's like three pages, and then it gets hung up, and you're opening up, and you're pulling out all this stuff. And, and we finally got, like, new copiers throughout the school. So, every, I mean, it's, it's a slow. And my school used to run out of copies. Like, we would spend our yearly budget by, like, January or February because there were no books. There weren't any books there. Um, even when it comes to things like calculators. Like, my third graders are required to use a calculator on the EOG. And so I had to go through and test all of them. I found 12 calculators that had like pixels broken in the screen and just because they're all however many years old and mm -hmm. they've been used by years and years and years of kids. And so I think people don't really understand what is being used in the school system and how old this stuff is that we're still trying to continue <laughs> to use. I, I, no, I don't disagree. I, yeah, my from desks that. and everything. Uh -huh, <laughs> my yeah. desks are in rough shape. <laughs> I, I, no, I don't disagree with that. Now, um, my questions would be I mean, it's nice to have the great stuff like the technology and things like that. But how do we replace all of this? And, you know, if you look at it, just the big swath across the state of North Carolina, I mean, how do you replace everything like that for every school to be equal and not just go so deep in the hole? I mean, I, I don't, I don't know where the money's going to come from. And I know? think the issue is, is that we don't have to do it all at the same time. If we do it a little bit at a time, but, but we've been in a place where they haven't done it. For so long, yeah. But see, now it's a compound. You almost have to kind of do it across the board because you know you don't want a student who's in second grade, third grade now getting new stuff, and then you know, here in Charlotte area, and all of a sudden a second and third grader in Wilmington, North Carolina, not getting it because all of a sudden the people in you know the the opportunity of, uh, of the opportunity of you know outcome will be different for both both sides. You know, what I'm saying the the people in Charlotte may all of a sudden have a, a leading edge compared to the kid in Wilmington or Boone or Silva, North Carolina, things like that. So, Well, that's exactly what's happening. I mean, the, the especially the counties, the rural counties mm -hmm. um, that have a smaller tax base, those sure. schools are not mm -hmm. 
funded the same way yeah. as the schools in the bigger, you know, in the triangle or sure. in Charlotte or sure. in Greensboro. And so that's a big issue too, especially when they, they talk about like things like teacher pay, you know, the state gives some, but it's the counties that pay mm-hmm. the extra. And so when they talk about the average teacher pay, they're not, they're giving these numbers that include all kinds of like ROTC. And if you're a coach, like they're all this stuff goes into teacher pay. Right. right. But they're also including calculations county supplements mm-hmm. in that. And so Charlotte is one of the higher counties. Wake is one of the higher counties. So the number of teachers in Charlotte that get that supplement is bringing up the data from the people who but are being paid on the state true, schedule. But isn't that true for any industry though? You know what I'm saying? Like you can have sure. a retail manager that lives in, you know, downtown Manhattan and their yeah. pay may be $130,000 a year, but there's a person that lives in, you know, Bowling, Bowling Springs, Spartanburg, South Carolina, yeah. who works for the same company who may may only make $30,000 a year. I mean, salaries are yeah. usually uh, adjusted due to cost of living. You know, you know what I'm saying? I, the, just the open door of opportunity does not equal the same amount of pay for, for other people. Um, yeah, that's how it is for, for me. I just recently went through the, the raise process, mm-hmm. that, you know, tongue in cheek on the raise part, but it was based on where I lived and, and the percentage of what they can give based on yeah, the zip code. So exactly. yeah, it, I mean, it happens yeah. in corporate. Yeah. Now, now I've seen I've seen the numbers. I'm sure you have too. I mean, I, it's just I'll just quote some of these these salary things. I because I I don't know. I don't I don't earn a paycheck, <laughs> so it's hard for me to tell. I mean, I can't I, I can't see everyone's paycheck. So but, uh, right now there was uh, uh, the John Locke John Locke Society today, um, and this is coming from the North, uh, North Carolina North Carolina Department of Public Instruction uh, website. Uh, the average teacher salary was fifty three nine seventy five. Now I know that is everyone <laughs> grouped together. That's why the reason why they call it a median average. Um, part of that uh, sixty one hundred and four dollars of health insurance contribution, four thousand dollars. Huh? Can I just ask one? Is that everything combined? Your 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 total summary? No, this of, is on top. This is what they're claiming on top of. So fifty three plus yeah. another you, six. Yeah, because you know. Plus, it, okay. For example, is your pay? I don't I don't know what your salary is, but let's right. just say it's forty thousand mm-hmm. dollars. Then your employer also throws in employee compensation or right. employee yeah, contributions. Yeah, I was just trying to make sure. Yeah, social security things yep. like that. Gotcha. So um, they're they're saying sixty one hundred dollars basically is thrown into uh, basically I guess a group health insurance. The state health plan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Social Security contribution is around forty one hundred dollars, and that's obviously you can't touch that until you know you, you turn of age, and then ten thousand, almost ten thousand one hundred dollars towards retirement contribution, towards I guess a pension. So, uh, you know, these numbers. This isn't a concrete number. This isn't something that every teacher makes. Uh, obviously, you have teachers in certain areas who have tenure and experience and whatever else, you know, they're, they're paid obviously higher. And this doesn't translate to some, you know, uh, one caution light, you know, town that has more cows than they do students. I mean, right. they, everything's subjective to the area, but um, the median income for the median income from North Carolina is around 50,000. Now that's taking everybody from welfare to people that are CEO pet level pay. So, so you can't compare the average to the median. That was one of the big things that the superintendent actually came out with a website this week and he was like, here's all the facts. And mm-hmm. so they said the average, I heard that also that 54,000 number. Um, I read in the News and Observer, though, that the average is actually closer to 49,000 based on if you look at what the state pays versus what the county supplements include. Mm-hmm. Um because the average gets inflated by the outliers, right? Oh, no, and no, so the median, though, the is adjusted, yeah. right? So the median, um, the 49,000 is right at the median 
for North Carolina. So one of the things about one of the demands that they had said was that the health benefits. So a lot of teachers, you know, we don't, everybody's like, well, you don't sign up for for the money, right? Mm-hmm. But a lot of teachers are playing the long game. We realize that we've had the opportunity to get good health care benefits after we retire. Same thing with the retirement program. And they're taking that away for new teachers. So they're not incentivizing teachers to come work in North Carolina mm-hmm. because they already said anybody hired after 2021 doesn't know they don't get health care benefits after retirement. Anymore. But wouldn't the, wouldn't the market dictate that? Because if you have an opportunity for a teacher that's coming out of college that has, you know, the, that calling to be a teacher and, and teaching is a calling. I, sure I, well, is. for, well, for, <laughs> I mean, for, I would say for the majority of teachers, some of them have just probably thrown in the towel and hate life and hate kids under 18. I mean, cause I had those, I mean, honestly. So, um, you know, but the market would dictate that. I mean, if a teacher has an opportunity to, uh, you know, you have now uh, school choice of charter schools, private schools, and then you have the public school system. But if a teacher graduates and has an opportunity to maybe, you know, especially the towns that are across the state lines or whatever, they have an opportunity to to shop the market. Mm-hmm. Just like uh, uh, there's a big uh, big hoorah in, in Houston right now with firefighters. Two hundred twenty firefighters just got laid off due to a, a, a due to a fire union uh, pay increase. Mm-hmm. So the, these firefighters, you know, they, they've restructured also, you know, no pension plans, no this and that. So when they go back to rehire, I'm sure a lot of these firefighters, if they can, if they can go to the next county over or one city over or one mm-hmm. community over, they will probably negotiate a better salary versus coming into a broken system. I mean, if we allow the, sometimes with salaries and stuff like that, if we allow a free market, a free market, a free market as far as salary negotiations, negotiations, I think would see different results than just kind of this overlying blanket of, all right, this is what all teachers get from the from the job, you know, I mean, why not have a system, you know, maybe tiered where a, a teacher dedicates three years of service and then we can opt them into, you know, like that. I, I don't know. There, I mean, I'm just saying there's more ways to skin a cat with, with, with some of this stuff. Yeah, I agree. The issue right now is we don't have any, we don't have enough teachers coming. And so last year, um, the report from DPI on, well, when I looked at it on April 18th, there was 1,781 open teacher positions. That And that could be potentially for next year. Sure. Um, the number that was in DPI, the official attrition report to the General Assembly, was that we were 1,555 teachers short. They just introduced a new bill to let retired teachers come out and collect their retirement and a paycheck, a full paycheck, if they will teach in certain high need schools and hard to staff areas. Mm. Um, Which is not a bad idea. I don't. I, yeah, I mean, and they did this when I first started teaching about twelve years ago. We had a couple teachers who were like that also because they have to, they need to get bodies in there somehow. Mm. And so what they're finding, and they they talked about this on the um, press conference yesterday about the new budget, is teachers are retiring because they have so many sick days banked up. They can retire years early. Mm-hmm. And then it's more worth it than it is to kind of stay in the classroom. And so that's why like a lot of teachers do play the long game in terms of the benefits, but we're already, you know, over a thousand teachers short. We're not the enrollment at the UNC system is way down. I had the number. What are are they contributing to the shortage of teachers? It's just not a super public education friendly place to be right now. Does anything so, have to do with just the mass mass migration of just people from out of state moving in and bringing their kids along? And you know what I'm saying? The influx. I mean, it's not like all of a sudden we have a generation of just uh, you know uh, you know seven years ago, eight years ago of just a, a boatload of babies being born. And all of a sudden we're short kids. I mean, there has to be there has to be some correlation with the mass movement of people to our state. I mean. 
go to go to go to Charlotte and you find no one who's from Charlotte. Everyone's True. from out of state. I'm not from I mean, Charlotte. <laughs> yeah, I'm not either. I mean, I don't think any of us are. Well, I think a big chunk of that is the economic boom in certain areas of North mm-hmm. Carolina. You've yeah. got your RTP, you know, Raleigh, Durham, Chapel Hill area that is just booming. Uh, Charlotte, honestly, I mean, we had a little blip in 2008, 2010 range, but for the most part, the economy in Charlotte is still you know, on an upward trajectory, but you've got a lot of smaller communities in the rural parts of the state that the economies mm-hmm. have never recovered from NAFTA mm-hmm. and things like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, those are hard areas to get people to go live, yeah. to, especially on a, what, what is, a minimal a salary. I think 35000 is the base. Is the so. base, but that's including a, the, like you said, the county stipend that goes into that. And, you know, it's the, those smaller rural areas, that stipend is a lot lower than it is in a place like Charlotte-Mecklenburg or right. Wake, uh, Wake County. And there so. is something to be said for the cost of living in those places also. Yeah, um, but you got to entice. And that's one reason I think yeah. like a free market, for example, these schools, you know, you know, I'll take uh, areas I've driven through like uh, Lumberton or Lincolnton. These are areas that they're, per, they're obviously I don't think the average median income probably fall, follows there. I, those are probably a hell of a lot less. But to to entice teachers there, if instead of the teachers union saying, all right, this is a starting salary. What if, the, you know, the school districts were able to shop and say, all right, our starting salary is 40 grand and then get compensation for the for you know, from the state to do that. And a lot of the thing is we don't have an actual union. The union has no, there's no union. It's, it's not an act like a, there's no collective it's, it's bargaining. A, it's a, lo- it's right? a loose band of misfits. I, can, no, totally. <laughs> I mean, you're absolutely right, but there is no bargaining power because the, the mm-hmm. county supplements is the enticement. And so mm-hmm. that one of the things that they address in the um, press conference yesterday was that the rural counties are going to be able to give a signing bonus to somebody who's coming out. Um, but it's just there's a big sense among teachers that the legislature keeps changing the game on us. So, for example, mm-hmm. in 2007, when I got hired, you know, you sign your contract or whatever. And the um, recession happened right after that. And so I had my pay frozen for seven years. Mm-hmm. So during uh-huh. that time, they said they were like, well, you're going to get all your steps because it traditional teacher scale every year you get a little bit more money so they're like okay you're gonna get your steps well then they changed the step schedule by the time 2014 came when they unfroze so then the the step that i was on did not equate to the same amount of money on the 2007 pay scale Mm -hmm. does that make sense Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so they also added all the the testing i mean one of the biggest concerns in teachers world right now is testing i teach third grade we have nine we let me think I think it's nine standardized tests um, throughout the year because there's three one-on-one tests and then there's three map tests, which are the computer for reading. And then there's three math map tests. And then we have two EOGs. And if they don't pass the EOG for reading, they have to take the EOG again and then the read to achieve test. And so that's what, 11? I lost count. But I spent hours. But do the students actually benefit from all this testing? No. (laughs) But why why aren't the teachers talking about that? They are. They're they're talking about getting rid of all the standardized tests. That's been a big thing. And the superintendent has done some listening sessions. I'm talking talking about Raleigh, though. You think, I mean, I haven't seen... from the talking points I've read, I mean, I, and granted, I haven't read a lot of them, but the, the talking points from the NCAE's website and uh, the Twitter and things like that, the demands have not been like, hey, let's get rid of this new, new standardized testing type stuff. I mean, the ones I've read. Have testing not, was not one of the top five today. But, but why not? You know, because it, 
if this is about number one benefiting students and teachers, you think the education or the the curriculum and things like that would be part of it. That would be, you know, if anything, yeah. I mean, if it's if it's useless fodder, why do it? That's a great question. <laughs> I'm going to give you a conspiracy to chew on because I know you love them. I love conspiracies. Here we go. All right. So my thought process on all the testing is um, you're teaching children how to regurgitate information, mm-hmm. which is a good way mm-hmm. to uh, basically control their minds because all they're going to be able to do is process what they're told and mm-hmm. not really learn how to think for themselves. And so we're developing an entire society of well, actually, two generations from now that have done nothing but give me information. I regurgitate the information. Oh, yay, I'm smart. No, really, all you've done is repeat what somebody told you. You've not learned to think for yourself. And from the top on down, from the government to organized religion to corporate America, that's all they want. They want people just smart enough to fill out the form <laughs> and not smart enough to think for themselves. I don't, I don't disagree with that. I think uh, here's another conspiracy. The, uh, our modern day school system is actually modeled off of the uh, 1930s Soviet Union. <laughs> oh, here we go again. <laughs> Those darn to, Ruskies. Hey, they're you coming look, after you look us. how they did it with the. They're basically trying to get make factory workers. So there you go. But well, um, I would say like follow the money, and the money yep. is in Pearson, and so Pearson yep. makes the tests, and they make the teacher qualification mm-hmm. tests, and they are large supporters of mm-hmm. government policies, and a lot of it is not necessarily like we have to follow the federal laws with the ESSA and all those kinds of things too. But in third grade, that EOG for reading decides it is the law says the read to achieve is the law. They said they have to pass it in some way, right? So they have that we're giving them multiple opportunities Mm -hmm. to pass the test by giving them 11 tests, right? (laughs) The EOG at the end of the year is three hours long for eight year olds. It's almost so 60 ridiculous. questions. I can't even sit crazy. there for that long. It's no. so stressful yeah. for them. It's I horrible quit on the for GED. them. <laughs> or like the GED with the SAT. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I'm done. The high school them. exams aren't even, we have a three hour period to give them, but they don't last the entire, th- unless there's, you know, student with special needs. We have 60 sure. minutes with two three minute breaks. So they go 63 minute break, 63, and they can, they can have an extra hour if they need it. And most of them take it. So most of them sit there for four hours, but the data on the read to achieve, it has not improved their reading scores at all. Mm-hmm. And so then they're like, we're going to keep it up. We're going to double down <laughs> on this because it's, it hasn't worked in five years. There's no difference by sub sub subgroups, excuse me. The kids who were retained did no better in fourth or fifth grade than the kids who were promoted. Mm-hmm. If they were part of that read to achieve, if they if they were promoted and they didn't pass it or they did, were not promoted and they didn't right. pass it. There's tons of research on the um, horrible parts of retention that contribute to the dropout rate, but yet we're doubling down on it. And I think the big idea behind a lot of the teacher protests is nobody's listening to us when we're saying mm. these types of uh, things. Look, I, and as a parent, and you know, yes, well, I, I don't, I don't disagree with that. I, I think that we've made some fundamental flaws in our education system. Number one, I think we need to get rid of the department of education. I know that's crazy thing talk, but the Department <laughs> of Education didn't come around until 1979. Okay, I mean we put people on the moon, we created vaccines, we, you know, we had running water. Yeah, I mean the Department of Education is just this government arbiter of just uh, people running around trying to create, you know, standards. And I think I, I mean we we de- we dedicate 68 billion dollars a year to the Department of Education. Um, Trump just signed a new thing where he's offering another $129 billion in grants and subsidies and things like that. So if you were to take just the $68 billion, 
put that back to the state level and communities. You buy a whole lot of books for that. I think you might be able to you have more copies. Yeah. <laughs> the kids, that's what you have to do. You kids have to write a grant. Kids won't be sharing <laughs> jock straps anymore, you know, in football. I mean, so. <laughs> oh, Lord. Get Johnny in there. Oh, man, coach. <laughs> Ricardo's taking his jock strap off. But no, I think. Uh, bad, coach. I, I think the elimination of that. I think the standardized testing crap, you know, uh, who I'm not even sure who wrote that law is it now in in y'all's opinion i, I don't know i mean i'm just you know i i'm i'm luckily i gra- i graduated high school and got kicked out of college so um is this considered common core or is this quasi common core the common core is just the tells you what to teach it has nothing to do with the tests themselves okay. the tests were regulated before the common core was here right well the, yeah so but the standardized testing i think i think you could, i mean obviously it's a burden i you know like i said we've had generations of uh, scientists and doctors and engineers and uh, morons like me that have come through without the this rigorous testing of trying to see what levels on it. Plus, also as a society, for some reason, we throw everything onto the teachers' backs instead of the parents actually having some ca- type of accountability. You? Amen. But here's the thing, though: is we we expect these kids who may not have accountability at home, we throw that mm-hmm. in and then throw that back on the teachers' plate yeah. for them to kind of get the kids up to speed. You know. I'm sorry, but some kids are meant to be ditch diggers. I mean, oh, everybody's no. not supposed to graduate with an engineer degree. Well, and what the read to achieve law says is if you don't get a B, you can't go to fourth. You don't have to, you know, we can hold you back yeah. in third grade as if you're not a B student. Cause I think the published rate, they have to get like a 75% on. So if you're not a C plus or a B student, then they can make you yeah. retain you whether they do or not. Right. Because they don't have the funds to retain. The state did not have a great pass rate last year right. on those tests. And so really? they don't have the funds to retain everybody. They need to add thousands of third grade classrooms and they just can't do it. Right. Um, that would not fix. And, but that wouldn't fix know, and it doesn't fix it. No. Does anybody know how much money they spend on these tests? I wish they would publish that. that I really wish they would. Because you want to know where 40 percent of the budget's going? <laughs> Pearson. Uh, a lot of it's going to testing, I promise yeah. you. And they well, it's not to, going to school lunch. I'm just saying no. that. It's also going it's to not. programs that they do a year, look at the data, and, oh, we're going to trash this. And, oh, here's a new program this year. Mm-hmm. Everybody gets new stuff. And it's like the teachers are like, oh, my God, I, I, I just imagine. got yeah. used to this. And they're giving me something else. And you probably are one of those that totally. And that they're tying the school grades. That's another thing. Like the school grades are tied to the kids' test scores, right? And so... You're having, I was an ESL teacher for the last five years. So I taught the kids who didn't speak English at home. And so I've taught in West Charlotte and East Charlotte and North Charlotte, right? In Huntersville. And so in West and East Charlotte, they have kids. I had seven homeless kids in my class whenever I taught in West Charlotte. And so it's not like that in Huntersville. I do have a, a couple kids who don't have internet at home, you know, things like that. But, um, but all of those kids, they're saying you all have to be the same. And so the kids who are in West Charlotte and the kids who are in East Charlotte and the kids who are in North Charlotte and in Ballantyne, you all are rated on the same way. But it's my fault if you're not all in the same place at the same time mm-hmm. on the same day. So they're tying like test scores and that, and that has to do with property values now if you're at a school that has lower test scores. And they base a little bit of it on growth. So they measure like in third grade, they have to take one at the beginning so they can see how far they've come by the end. But 80% of the school grade is based on the proficiency. Right. And they found that you can predict the school's proficiency based on their zip code by the economic level. I just don't know why, as a society, though, we think that a, a quality of opportunities should equal quality of outcome. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. the, it, everyone is designed differently. We, you know, 
We know that. And just because we all have the same opportunity to come come to these four walls of the roof and sit in a desk and a teacher teaches, we're not going to all have the same outcome. And I don't care how much money we spend. I don't care what we pay teachers. I don't care what we pay bus drivers. We're, we're Everyone's not going to be the same. You know, these standardized testing – I mean, some people aren't. I mean, the old cliche. Some I just I'm just not a good test taker. Mm-hmm. I genuinely, genuinely, lo- I genuinely, I can't talk English today. I, <laughs> I might need to take an ESL. There you go. But um, yeah, just some people aren't test takers, and these standardized testing, especially you know, if if you're stressed or whatever, it's you're, super yeah, stressful for yeah. them. Is there any? So we kind of talked about the attrition rate. Mm-hmm. Teachers not showing up, and you talked about the free market. So are we kind of seeing a little bit of that, like? I'm not going to go to North Carolina. I'd much rather go to South Carolina, get a little bit more money, and not have to, you know, deal with the crazy North Carolina laws. Is, are we seeing some of that? Those numbers? I feel like we are, and I found the number. Probably it was not South the, Carolina. Uh, well, yeah, maybe not. Um, <laughs> but the enrollment, states. the enrollment in undergraduate education programs in UNC is down 41 percent since oh, wow. 2010. And so people are just it's because not... they're taking gender studies. <laughs> I'm just yeah, I mean, it's just the. Where teachers don't feel like we're heard. Mm. And so oh, it's also, I said earlier, it's about the time. I'm spending at least yeah. 20 hours a week preparing for my 40 hour a week job. And so I'm an elementary teacher. So I teach five subjects a day. To the, I have the same, I have my group the same thing. And so some um, elementary teachers teach blocks, like they would teach math twice to different groups of kids. So I teach okay. all five every day. Um, but I'm only teaching the same lesson to those kids for a total of maybe an hour. Because we have like the the third grade level lesson for a little bit. Like this is what the third the Common Core, mm-hmm. which is not in North Carolina anymore. We have the North Carolina Standard Course of Study. It's just call it's just Common Core renamed. It, it totally is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but they um, we reach kids where they're at, and the teachers are feeling like we are not given the freedom to decide that. So like you're saying, I hate that equal opportunity. Yeah. So you might not have if you're reading something about. Um, farming and you've never been to a farm because mm-hmm. you live in the city, then you're not going to have the same access to that information that somebody else sure. would. And so we have less freedom to do things like that because we have to be so mindful of what's on the test. And mm. this is on the test and it's not so about teaching a student. So you're teaching to the test. Is Absolutely. What you're and so that's wrong. <laughs> yeah. We um, don't teach kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We teach the test. How, how, how many hours are you putting in? You said around 60 hours a week yeah. preparing. How is that pretty average? 60 hours a week? Um, 40, 60 hours? Yeah, yeah. Bit? I would say that. But I've been teaching for, this is my 21st year of teaching. So, so, so you, I you have got a this. nice bank of stuff. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but but it's, but you know, you've got to you still have, maintain. It's more than 40 hours. Yeah, you're, you're putting yeah, in way yeah. more time. Than, and middle school and high school teachers, I've heard, get this magical thing called planning time. Yes. <laughs> Ooh. They get the, so I have 45 minutes every day, but three out of the five days I'm in a meeting. Mm-hmm. in those days. And so we're talking about the things we're going to teach, but I still have to go and write my lesson plans and prepare all the materials for everything. So I'm spending two to three hours a day and then like five anywhere, but depending on the week, you know, five mm-hmm. to 10. And so I do have things, this is my 12th year. Um, I have things that I've used before, but if I have different kids who can't read the same books that they read last year, you have different reading levels and things like that. You have to prepare all new, new things. But, um, but I also don't have to volunteer at high school football games. Right. And yeah. so there's, they're paying Some on both off. ends. You know what I mean? So 
It's true. Going back to the, uh, uh, for the, I guess the staff or whatever. So they're all, I guess the teacher thing is uh, they're requesting a flat minimum wage of 15 bucks an hour. Yeah. So the state and passed I guess, a law. I guess, the, I guess the reason for that. The state passed a law last year that state employees get a flat minimum of $15 with the exception of public school employees. So that happened in 2018, mm. but they left out all the public school employees. My question is why? Why should we arbitrarily set a rate at 15 bucks an hour? Because once again, that, that 15 bucks an hour to someone in Raleigh who pays Wake County tax, taxes versus someone who is in Lincoln who pays Lincoln County taxes is totally different. You know what I'm saying? Like that 15 bucks is, goes away, way farther than it does in Raleigh. And I think they're probably, because it's a state employee and that is the system that we're mm-hmm. in right now where they are all paid the same thing. The $15 in Charlotte is not a living wage or less than $15 in Charlotte for those people who work. Like, I mean, my teacher assistants at the schools that I've been at have been phenomenal. And the same thing with the custodial staff. And mm-hmm. so that that doesn't go very far mm-hmm. in places yeah. like Charlotte and Raleigh. Well, that's also one reason I'm actually against the minimum wage. I don't care if the minimum wage is seven eighty five an hour. I think the market could dictate that because all of a sudden if the school is desperately needing employees to you know, mop the floors or drive the buses, the school will find the money to pay the people to fill those spots. It happens everywhere. Tennessee, when we lived in Tennessee, Tennessee had such a shortfall in the, in the, in the, in the public sector of supplying uh, custodians, um, cafeteria workers and bus work, uh, bus drivers. So what do they do? They privatized the bus industry. So you had independent companies who own the bus industry. Yet uh, companies like Airmark or Centura that who actually do like institutional feeding came into the cafeteria. Um, you had custodial staff was actually subcontracted out by city and by school to to private employers. Okay, so all of a sudden that that state and county employee did not ha- or the the state budget didn't all, all of a sudden have to compensate um, for pension or you know retirement, social security, insurance, health benefits. And they were actually able to pay these people a lot higher wage than a state minimum. So that's a, I think it's a solution we should carry over this state. We privatize it all. You know, I mean, I, th- I think we, I think we'd gather, I think we'd garner a lot. We'd, we'd have much more success if we take that burden off the back of the state and the county and the cities to, you know, instead of having to worry about the logistics of bus routes, routes and uh, what, you know, how many times we're going to serve uh, subpar pizza every week. I mean, <laughs> if we took those things off the backs of the, of the school districts and actually sub it out to private contractors, it has been proven that private contractors can pay better than the government. Yeah, and I, mean, I, think, I think right now the issue is we're talking about how do we fund all the things that we need in public education. Mm-hmm. And so we're, right now the reality is that we fund it with property taxes. And so I know a lot of places there's a b- discussion in Pennsylvania, which is where my family is, mm-hmm. about whether that's the best way. That is the way we do it right now in North Carolina. And mm-hmm. so we have to kind of play with the deck that we're, we've been given here. Yeah. So Well, but, but radical changes can create radical events. I mean, if you, if you took, the like I said, if you took one burden off the back, you know, for, okay, y'all, y'all pro, they're protesting today about paying bus drivers more. Okay, well, I guarantee there's probably companies out there that would love to come into the North Carolina area and be like, you know what, we will bid ourselves for this route right here. And that would all of a sudden take the burden of, okay, well, yeah. there we go. I mean, th- there's there's solutions to this. And I, I don't, you know, just, uh, I mean, wh- why a 15? Why not say 25? I think the issue is because that's what everybody, who every other state employee got 15. Gotcha. Except for the school people. 
well, all of a sudden, is the person that's making fifteen bucks an hour who's driving around doing inspections are they going to be are they going to be pissed off that the guy who's scrubbing toilets at a school is making the same amount of money they are? I'm just asking that question. I mean, because you know, I, I, I'm sure a, a teacher who's worked 20 years wants to make more money than a teacher who's worked two years. You know, they don't want to be they don't they don't want to be a set standard like all right, flat fee. Everybody's making fifty thousand dollars a year. You know, I I, I don't think that um, just setting this this arbitrary uh, number out there as a demand sometimes gets the results that we want and. Um, Going back to the compensation for graduate degrees or degree levels or whatever, mm-hmm. explain that a little bit. So in, uh, well, I think 2013 was the year that they said that teachers who had master's degrees were no longer going to get paid for it. So there's a separate, there are three kind of levels of salary schedules in North Carolina. So there's the bachelor's degree schedule, and then there's a master's degree schedule, and then there's a national board schedule. And so when you look at total compensation, teachers get raises based on each level that they have. So me personally, I have my master's and my national boards. So I have a 22% higher paycheck than somebody who doesn't have those two things. Right. And so when they took away master's degree, the master pay is not necessarily they, the argument that they use against it is, well, it doesn't increase test scores, mm. but it's not necessarily about measuring test scores. Although they did come out and uh, last year they tied the school's EVOS score the teachers evos is um they take all the standardized test scores of the kids in your class Hmm. and they give the teacher a grade and so they look at how much growth they made and then they grade me was that the one that we we read that had like they dropped this they changed the letter grade or whatever it was like that was more about the school no yeah that's a separate system so basically teachers get if they if the kids make what is considered to be an average of one year's worth of growth and that number changes every year they don't publish there's no formula that we're allowed to see it's like a statistical <laughs> anomaly right so they norm all of the kids every year and they say okay if a kid got um this score at the beginning of the year most of the kids who got that score got this score at the end so if my kid got one point higher I'm in the green. If my kid got one point lower, I'm in the red. And so I get a a growth score based off of my kid's performance on the standardized test, only the EOG specifically. And so they actually found that the teachers who had the highest level of experience, the 25 to 30 years of experience, had the highest growth indexes in 2017. And that was from the state's attrition report. But what they say is, well, the master's degree doesn't equate to test scores. It doesn't improve test scores. But it's about teacher retention and teacher recruitment. And so if you have a county, um, so if let's say North Carolina doesn't pay for masters, you're talking about those recent college grads Mm -hmm. and they're going to say, I'm going to go, I can go to Virginia. I can go to Georgia. Mm -hmm. I can go to North Carolina. I can go to South Carolina. Well, if you're going to get paid 10% more in Virginia, you would go there as opposed to North Carolina. And you have, that's a, I don't know. You have another level of education there. I don't know if that necessarily. I mean, if you're, let's just say you're making, for simple math, if you're making 10%, if you're making 40 in North Carolina and you have an opportunity to move to ten, uh, Virginia for 10% more, you know, then I know it's arbitrary or just a, a made up number, but I mean, honestly, you know, depends on the part of Virginia. I mean, you, you, people move to areas where they can feel comfortable and have the things that they desire and want. You know what I'm saying? Just because all of a sudden they throw another $4,000 a week or $4,000 a year. Divided by fifty-two doesn't necessarily say that. Um, why, I mean, my my question is, um, why why isn't teacher pay merit based? You know, as far as like, 
based off of years of results and things like that. And that's just my question because I, I because I, I that's some, a lot of people's questions. Some some yeah. of my best teachers didn't have masters, and no, no, I'm not knocking. Yeah, no, I, I don't I, and I'm not knocking a master. I think the, the pay is determined by. I mean, they're determined by the their not level of commitment because you're committed every day to going to school and teaching. But there's just bad teachers out there. I mean, there's. There, I mean, there's a story and story in New York, and I know New York's a different state, but uh, and their state of education is probably in the dump. But um, there's actually a teacher who earns over a hundred thousand dollars a year in in New York, part of the teachers union, and all she does is sit in a teaching lounge all day. She's such a bad teacher they can't fire her per contract, but she sits there and wastes a hundred and something thousand dollars a year in her salary. I mean, I, I I'd rather see teachers get pumped bump and pay off of performance, not off of, you know. So it's really hard to quantify pay for performance. And so when you look at the kids, this it's a conversation about equity. Kids who've had more experiences or more work, like, and it's not, it's more socioeconomic is a big part of it. And so you, like I said earlier, you can predict a school's test scores by their zip code. And so when you look at kids who are in really high need areas and you're measuring them on the same model as the kids who are in very affluent areas. What is going to entice a teacher to go to the high needs area if I'm going to get a raise based on my kids in Valentine? And so it's also a question of it's what are you measuring, right? So we talk about growth. So when you have a, um, for I was ESL, if you have kids who don't speak English, they have to meet the same growth marks as kids who do speak English, who are from mm-hmm. very affluent areas. And it's also the same on the higher end. If you have a gifted kid who's scoring in the 98th percentile, they have to get a hundred percent. They can't miss a question for you to show any growth for them. Sure. And so when you look at pay for performance, one, it decreases the collaboration among teachers because teachers are like, I'm going to get mine. I'm going to get my money mm-hmm. because I'm too, I don't want to share what I'm doing, what's working for my kids, because then you're going to get part of my money. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Wait till your and kids so, are done and then pull the fire alarm. Right. Like, ah. And so Some it people decreases. still have that mentality in high school. <laughs> so it decreases the collaboration. And how are you to say that, you know, a kid in my class in third grade wasn't impacted by his second grade teacher and it just took Mm -hmm. him a little while longer to catch up. How do you measure that on a year to year basis? Or when I was ESL, I didn't get, there were classes that I was in all day, every day that their kids scores don't count for me. And so Mm. the classroom teacher would have gotten all of that. So there's just still too many impacts when you're talking about human beings that are not little assembly line creatures that are, like you said, the same if you have the same experience, we're not going to have the same outcome. Right. So you can't tie people's salaries to the idea that they should have the same outcome. Well, well, I'm not no saying the outcome. I, I think I think that um, there's so many factors into a kid's education. Talk about socioeconomic, talking about broken homes, talking about abuse. There's so much things that affect education, but mm-hmm. it still doesn't affect the teacher's performance. You know, I don't... So then, how would you quantify? How would I quantify? You can have you can have a set of standards where teachers are evaluated, and we do. I know that. I'm just saying, but instead instead of paying based off of okay, well, um, we got to meet meet these benchmarks for our students because all of a sudden, what if you get a a batch of students who, you know, are in a session uh, in an area, all of a sudden recession hits, and you know, all of a sudden their socioeconomic, you know. Is uprooted, or your parents get divorced? Like you were saying, something goes on at home. I mean, I mean. You know, all of a sudden you have a bad year with marks. I mean, I I, I think that 
like I said, I think teachers do a great thing, but I don't, and this is no disrespect for teachers at, at all. Cause I, I, I couldn't do what you guys do. I mean, I, I, I barely can tolerate, um, playing Play-Doh puppets with my kid, but uh, you know, <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I when discussing salaries, I, I don't want to, I, I don't understand why teachers are almost like a, a protected class when we talk about it, because it, it becomes offensive. Like we're attacking the teacher I don't, when I'm not, I'm just, I think there's better ways to uh, incentivize teachers for their passion, their d- desire, not just all of a sudden reaching these, you know, 11 standardized testing benchmarks yeah. when the 11 standardized test mark or benchmarks are probably broken to begin with. I mean, there's, there's always ways to create new, new, uh, a new standards for teachers that pass to get paid more. I mean, and I think a big part of that is because when we're talking about wage competitiveness, right. With you talked about teachers being a protected class. So teachers, especially in North Carolina, we are earning 65 cents on the dollar compared with other people who have the same degree of education. And so when you look at the yeah. salary, it's not about the amount of money. It's about people who have a four-year degree. What's the average comparison there? So you're not comparing. Oh, I, under, I understand that, but. Uh, 65% for each other, like in the state or compared to. Basically other saying if someone has a four, four-year degree, right. you know, they're. Um, this, let's just say the person's making a hundred thousand dollars with a four year degree. Teachers are making sixty five thousand right. dollars. So, but I think we did just move up to twenty seven. Actually, no, I thought saw another stat twenty seven twenty seven percent less than other four year degrees but, as opposed I, to thirty five. Like I said, <laughs> this is no disrespect, um, but isn't going into teaching a chosen profession? Just like I sell motorcycles as my chosen profession. I was a restaurateur. That was my tro- chosen profession. I mean. There's other restaurateurs out there making a lot more money than I was, but I was making good money. But you know, we're 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 talking about career fields that we're all walking into, and these are callings. My calling happens to be two wheels and gasoline and emissions and fossil fuels and twelve you know, destroying the earth in twelve years. I mean, right. that's that, that's my calling in life. I mean, boy, uh, <laughs> shoot I. I mean, no, no one. I'm. I'm I'm following you. You're saying yeah, I'm just, I, you've chosen to be here. Yeah, this is what you want yeah, to do. Yeah, and no one, I mean, no but one's. The ahead. problem is, is they're taking away all the incentive that used to be good for teachers. Exactly. I, and well, and they're the changing the game. Gone. They're changing the and game. And I don't, yes. I don't disagree with that. And, you know, I, I think, number one, it starts with the entry-level teachers not accepting the salaries they're offering. I, because you can, you can, up, you can shape the. All of a sudden, if North Carolina all of a sudden has two thousand vacancies, they're going to cha- North Carolina is going to change their model for pay. Do you think they quick. will? Do you think that that it's going to get have to the to. point where they'll they'll have to change? I mean, you say they have to, but I mean, you can keep getting cheaper and cheaper, and somebody's eventually going to say yes to that. You know, like I mean those those fifteen hundred positions or whatever are either filled with substitutes mm-hmm. or the kids are dispersed, and so now you're not talking about. 28 kids in a classroom in fourth grade and up. You're talking about 31 kids in the classroom. And so yeah. the ki- there are still children who we're talking about who don't have an, a, a, a teacher in front of them when we talk about like those teacher vacancies. And so we're already almost at 2000 and nothing seems yeah. to be changing there. It's just a, just a question. Don't shoot me. But <laughs> how does, I mean, how does someone come up with the, all right, we're, we don't want to go over 20 student. You know, if, if all of a sudden we have 25 students in a class we're affecting and impacting their lives. I remember having 38 kids in my class in high school. How many kids do you let come to your kids' birthday parties? 
Oh, my birthday parties? Oh, you gotta ask my wife. We have sixty or seventy people there. I mean, so, that part is true. Yeah. I've been there. You're, so your daughter's allowed to invite like thirty friends? Oh yeah, that's awesome. I mean, you're, it's it's not. I mean, you've been to my birthday, her birthday parties. Yeah, it's that's nuts. awesome. Yeah, I have to duck <laughs> because it's chaos. Yeah, I mean, and you're you're adding to now. Teachers aren't working sixty hours a week. Now I'm working seventy five grading all the extra stuff for the kids and, and making I, extra I, lessons. I understand all that. I, I'm just saying that once again. <laughs> Once again, but it's still a chosen profession. I mean, but, but so you, people aren't going to choose it anymore, which exactly. is what we're showing that's in the exactly enrollment. That's exactly what's going to happen. But that's, that's where the crisis is going to come from. But that's fine, though. See, if people don't choose it, then we're forced to change. So I'm saying just because we're just because we're stomp, you know, just because we're stomping in Raleigh today doesn't necessarily necessi- that's or God, I can't talk today. That's not going to. Per- uh, See, that's if you would have had 20, 20 kids in your class, you could be able to say that word. We're but, missing but, the bourbon. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> My speech is a little clearer then. But, no, but um, I mean, that's how you force changes through where people don't come into the industry. And I think the issue is that because teachers have chosen to be in this profession for children, they know we're not going to let them flounder. Mm, and so that's a big point. part of it, too, is that people are going to do... I mean, they ha- there's all kinds of things where like, well, just don't do any work. Just don't do any work after your hours are there. And everybody's that's impossible. like, no, I mean, yeah, that's, that's impossible. not that's not a thing. Yeah. And so I think it's the nature of the people who choose to be in this profession because we're talking about human beings. We're talking about kids and they're not going to let them. The teachers are not going to let them fail and flounder. So, so if I'm understanding, it's just they just keep piling on and on, changing the rules, not giving you the incentives taking away those retiree benefits. And it's just, it just gets for to new, the point. For newcomers. It's not for, for the for current, newcomers. for current teachers. Side note on that. Are they replacing that with a 401k or they're just getting rid of? I think I did hear it was going to be into a 401k. Which actually would do a whole lot. Actually, it'd be, that, that growth, would be growth would be heavier. Yeah. Than, yeah. Um, but they keep changing the rules and that's what gets frustrating over and over. Is there any solutions that either came out today or that you guys might have to say, you know, here's, here's some simple things that we could do that would really benefit said school. Um, for us, I know I work in a very large school. And so the idea of the nurse and the counselors and the so, the school psychologist would be a huge benefit. Um, my child has a peanut allergy and heaven forbid he has it on. He has a reaction on a Tuesday mm. because I'm lucky enough to work at a school because I have 1200 kids. We have a nurse there every day. But the school that I worked at that had 800 kids didn't. And so when you look at like those support staff things, that would be a huge mm. increase. And so that was one yes. of those things. Um, so do you, is there a nurse? And so yes, we have a nurse. There? I mean, there are days when she's not there, but we also have um, a health um She's a nurse also, but she teaches, I can't remember the name of the class, it's health and something. But she also could, you know, fill that spot if our nurse is not available. Gotcha. And they came out and they said they are reinstating master's pay as a way of retaining teachers. So that was a, yeah, that's a great thing. That's, they heard us and they heard the the response to that. And I'll say to to that, as Somebody that's in the workforce, you want to be able to to move forward improve just yourself, yourself and improve yourself personally. Yes. Even if that doesn't have any benefit to the company, it benefits you as a person to move forward. Now, granted, that company doesn't have a responsibility, but in turn, it makes you a better employee. And it's another benefit that people can say, hey, look, we're offering this so that it draw, does draw people. My company will allow you to go to school and they'll pay you for a good chunk of that. And it doesn't even have to relate to 
the job that you're doing. They just want you to improve yourself. So I'll give them props for that. And I think that goes into the retention too. Mm-hmm. Like, right. so 12% of beginning teachers in the, which is considered the first three years of teachers left the fee, the field of education. They left teaching last year, but only 7% of teachers with four or more years of experience because a teacher with a master's degree in education is going to be committed to the field of education. Mm, that's a good. Point. And so, and not that people who don't have master's degrees aren't, but if you paid all that money to get a degree in education, mm-hmm. there's a chance that you're going to be sticking around for a little while longer. Yeah. I'm going to be a devil's advocate. I don't think a master's degree necess- necessarily means a great teacher. I, th- I, I think there's probably teachers out there that probably deserve to be unemployed teachers that have master's degrees or are getting master's pay. And, and, and I mean, I, and I think that maybe I think you probably could redirect those funds to a merit based, a meritocracy based uh, salary platform for teachers where teachers across the board would receive raises. I think that nobody could afford that. <laughs> what do you mean to define that? What do you mean? Well, if you're going to say that the quality of teachers is not measured by a quantifiable number like the standardized test, because that's the only way you could quantify a child is to make them take a test, right? Mm-hmm. And so if you're going to say it's based on performance evaluations, which we already have uh, five standards that have all these different, like every teacher is evaluated on the same instrument mm-hmm. that's yes. unrelated to the test scores. Um, most teachers are not those bad teachers sitting at their desks, you know, and well, so I'm not saying that. I'm not, no. But so if the if you're talking about paying teachers based on an evaluation mm-hmm. system, you'd have way more good teachers yeah. and then you couldn't afford it. But the thing is, though, society would be the benefit or uh, benefactor of that whole thing, that whole system. So we're saying all of a sudden if we say we go to a merit based and you know, all of a sudden teachers are performing great. Hopefully that will trickle down to the kids performing I mean, that that would be, I would be all for that. I would be for dumping more money into the education. But if they're going to go to, like, merit-based pay, then they need to reinstate some things. Like, personally, um, when I started teaching, I had funds to be able to go to professional development. NCAEA, mm-hmm. the arts, is has a wonderful yearly big um what they called the conference, conference and they're awesome. And I'm there with teachers all over the state that are arts teachers. We're all visual arts right. and we're, they have people like speedball could be there talking about their products or there's teachers sharing lessons that they do with their kids, like um, special kind of things. And those used to be funded and you could, you were able to have like a budget to be able to go and that, Feeds you professionally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's no feeding me professionally <laughs> right now. Yeah. Um, Subpar pizza. I'm, <laughs> I'm having to go to the same thing as the math, English, and science teachers mm. required to go. Because, and that's supposed to be my professional development. And I teach visual arts. Now, I'm not saying, yes, I have their science and art. We use math and art. We use English. I make them write. They read things. You know, th- right. all that's there. But it's not um, related to your course of but specialty. But it's not. Yes. And it and it's disheartening. And yeah. even the ones who have to be there are disheartened because there's <laughs> other things they could be doing. Sure. They just want to be in their classrooms. Sure. Like when we had this last, <laughs> we, we've had zero work days, honestly, yeah. this spring. Last uh, semester in the fall, we lost all those days because of the weather. What do they do? In this, at the end of the um, semester exam period, they decided, oh, well, let's add 30 minutes oh, yeah. to the exam <laughs> days. Oh, my gosh. 
so basically I'm a babysitter for an extra 30 yeah. minutes of kids who were done in their exam. It took them 30 minutes to take their exam. Yeah. And I'm watch, showing them a movie and we're cleaning up the art room. And then I've got them an extra 30 minutes. And then mm-hmm. I had to go three minutes a day for a certain amount of time, yeah. which was nothing. I mean, that just, you don't even know. Well, you can't, it. you got to get that 180 days. But in it was to get in the spring semester. Funding, I know. It doesn't take, bring back any instruction. That's, that's zero instructional yeah. time. But you know, you know what that's all about, though. That's all about securing the government funding because oh, the government exactly. mandate, the government mandate is 180 days schools have to be open. So. And that's all that it's cared about. Yeah. I was like, when, when do we stop? Caring about these kids, well, these students, and their time, and their them, and, and us teachers. Well, here's the thing, though. Anytime you have government mandates and regulations like that, no one cares. Everyone cares about achieving that bar. Right. There's, there's nothing. Every, every, a common sense goes out. There's no common sense with regulations and government control. There sure. is something to be said for making sure that the kids have a minimum level, uh, like things that are being taught. And so before, um, I know the Common Core is a big is a hot topic, but before everybody had standards before, but each state was able to dictate their standards. And so certain states would have lower standards and then they would say, we're doing great on these. You know, the kids who are in our, in third grade in this state are doing fantastic on our standards. I don't know why your pass rate is so low because the standards were different. So there's something to be said for, especially when you're in a state system, if I move from Cabarrus County to Mecklenburg County, the third graders are being taught the same types of things. So there is something to be said no, for like a minimum yeah, requirement. No, I, I, I agree with that. The problems I have with Common Core, well, my main problem with Common Core and quasi-Common Core and Common Core rebranded is math. <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah. when when can I not show my, my kid that four plus four <laughs> equals eight and then instead of having to do 62 steps? Yeah. I, I, I don't, I I don't get that. I will say... I can multiply double-digit numbers in my head thanks to teaching the third-grade Common Core because of the way they teach it. And so it's it's a different way of thinking about it. Mm. Some of the ways I had, we had a lot of pushback because in third grade, we don't teach borrowing for subtraction and carrying for addition. We don't teach regrouping, like where you cross out the number and you make it one less. Mm. We have to draw pictures with blocks and mm-hmm. use a number line. And the parents are saying the same thing, like, I don't know how to help. I don't yeah. know how to help them, you know, yeah. um, I'm but, lo- I'm lost. but I will say, I do feel like my kids have a better understanding of why the numbers work that way. So I will do a little bit of defense mm. about the conceptual math that they're teaching. Now it does seem, I have to study sometimes, especially the first year it came out. I was like a number line. How can yeah. you, what is that? but, <laughs> well, I think but I, they do seem to do better. Well, on that part. I, th- I think, so. well, I, <laughs> We can agree to disagree on that one because well, I because I because well hold on you're talking about having calculators for third graders why why does my why does my third grader or second grader have to all of a sudden draw blocks and rows and count you know circle the grapes I mean it don't, it don't I mean you got calculators in third grade can I be honest with you the only yeah. thing I used my calculator was to make the word hell or boobs yeah that's, <laughs> that was my favorite thing. Uh, that was that was good, like yeah. an eight. What could I can do eight zero zero eight uh, five yeah, yeah there you go watch, watch this Steve. Um, I'm going to be the devil's advocate. I, I'm not subscribing to this, but I know some of our listeners may say it's you guys are getting pay. You guys are getting well compensated because you get the summers off. Everybody <laughs> says and, that. And I know. And so I want the defense of you guys get summers off. Why should we pay you more well, money? Let, let's actually let me kind of roll that into with 
Um, this was my question. I know, but I'm trying to roll something else because <laughs> I'm trying to take the heat off of me okay. for one minute. Okay, all right. So, you get, so yeah, the old, old cliche of summer's off, but also, you know, my understanding is you guys can t- retire at what, 55? 30 years in the education 30 system. 30 years. So, 30 years. So, depending on when te- you start. Yeah, technically, technically, some of them at 52. Yeah, yeah 50, I started at 22, so 52. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the summer's off, you know, retire 52 with full benefits. I mean, the average Joe will not be able to do that. I mean, and that's so, true. I calculated we have it about nine weeks off, right? And it, most people's jobs, you get at least three weeks off. And then as you move up, you get more. Um, you can, you know, accumulate more vacation. You're going to apply that. for this job for three weeks off. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I took a poll. That's what it was. Yeah. We do have days built into the school year, you know. Um, but we are also paid as 10-month employees. We and are. so I personally have, like, they can withhold money from my paycheck, but people who work in central office get the teacher's salary, but they get an get they get it two more months. So they get the same monthly rate that they would have gotten for ten months, like teachers do, two more times. So we are pay the salary that we're given is paid as ten month employees. And I go back to the time that we're saying. And so like I said, I'm those elementary teachers that I know are working sixty hours a week, twenty hours more. And so we're, it's not always the amount of money and the time mm-hmm. off. It's what you're being asked to do to do your job well. Yeah. I also plan in the summer. Thank you. Uh-huh. That's What's very that? true. I, I did a whole lot of work last night. I do work. I do schoolwork in the summer because to prepare for the next year. But yeah, that's true. Because I'm a nerd <laughs> like that. Well, <laughs> I came in on the first work day last year and I was the only one on my hallway who didn't have my room fully set up because mm. they had all the teachers in my hallway oh, yeah. had their whole classroom and before the first work because the, the first work day for teachers, all the work days are meetings. Yes. They're meeting days. There's no work happening well, this year during gonna, school. This year we're going to teach two plus two equals four. Oh, yeah. That'd I thought we amazing. did that last year. <laughs> Elementary teachers are amazing. They can whip up a room in a beat. I mean, like, it's crazy. Oh, it, <laughs> hey, the level of room decoration now is... <sighs> Pinterest. I, Thanks, yeah. Pinterest. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Beanbag chairs for like, you know, uh, timeout. And I mean, that's my, awesome. All I had was a ping pong paddle table uh, whooping, you know, <laughs> I mean, that's all I had hanging in our, our rooms. And the other reality is that 50% of teachers work two jobs. So mm. when I had, um, even after I had my first child, I was working a second job. I worked summer school. And so every year I worked because I couldn't pay my rent living in Charlotte in the summer when my pay was frozen for seven years. And so when you like, again, like the wealthier counties have more money, but a lot, most teachers work. The statistic I saw was 50. So half of teachers, they work second jobs so they can make sure that they have enough money to pay the bills. Yeah. But I mean, there's a lot of Americans out there work. Reg, you know, just people that have regular hourly jobs or salary jobs. There's a lot of people out there work two jobs. I mean, I work two jobs. See, my thought process on this is, that currently teachers are paid exactly what society values them at. Mm. And until society as a whole realizes that they are providing more of a service than they perceive, it's not going to change. Teachers talking about this and bringing this up on a constant basis is a way to raise visibility to that issue. But there are so many parents that do not see the school system as a viable way to educate their child. They see it as maybe as an ends to a means or a place to put their kid while they mm-hmm. go do what they well, need to do. Nursery, to keep, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's a nursery. <laughs> and, you know, a lot of society, especially, you know, elected leaders look at it as a gigantic daycare. They're going to fund it like a gigantic daycare. And until the society sees an issue with that, 
it's not going to change. Now, the other side of that on society is, you know, the kids that come from the more socioeconomic affluent areas, they're going to go ahead and get an education and they're going to go on and go to college and they're going to still get their degree or whatever it is, the training they want for the job they want. Kids that are in less affluent areas are going to, by on average, perform less and they're going to end up in uh, jobs that do not require that level of education. And you're just going to create a cycle and you're starting to see a divergence of those two groups of people. And until it, like I said, until it comes to a head and we realize that, you know, our current education system as a whole is not only underfunded, but it's broken in the fact of the type of citizens it's turning out. It's turning out robots that regurgitate information that can know how to fill out paperwork, but do not know how to think for themselves. Those are the jobs that are being produced in this country. So that's what people want. We no longer encourage people to get entrepreneurship is one of the, it's way, way down because we're not teaching people how to think like that. Mm-hmm. And these are, you know, until we as a society wake up and go, you know what, this is valuable. This is not a daycare. It's not a place to drop my kid off so I can go to work. This is my kid creating a future for himself mm-hmm. or herself. That's when it's going to you know happen. And until then, it's not going to. And we can, you know, march up and down in front of the Capitol and Raleigh all day long. And, you know, you can burn the damn place down if you want to, but it's not going to change anything. And that's just my my two cents. That's just exactly how society perceives education right now. It yeah. is a placeholder for my kid to sit because I'm going to get them where they need to be anyway. I don't need the education system to do it for me. Mm. Interesting. And artificial intelligence is coming anyway, so I'm going to be paid to clean the robots that teach kids soon. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be uh, our, our world of Wally. Yeah. The old hey, cartoon. Hey Google, yeah. why don't you? Uh oh. Uh, why don't you do my math problem? Turn, turn that off. Alexa, two plus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alexa, Alexa, picks it up. <laughs> Alexa, do, Alexa, how do you do Common Core? Yeah. Uh, anything else? Any last minute uh, things you guys want to talk about or bring up? Actually, in, in some of the other points you brought up, or you, I'm sure you have a sheet there full of stuff. Probably. Just, <laughs> go ahead. Right, start. No. Oh no. Uh, no I, I mean, I, I think that's the biggest. Those we hit most of the biggest things. I think the biggest. The biggest issue altogether is the lack of a voice. And so we feel like respect. Yeah. And it's hard. It's hard to quantify that. Um, But teachers are feeling beaten down. And that's the reality is that we're being asked to do more with less. And you're working harder and harder and harder. And like we said, like people who go into teaching, we know we're not going to be breaking the bank, you know, but we I kind of thought I'd be able to pay my bills without Mm -hmm. having to pay a babysitter in the summer so I can work my second job, you know, but it's it's really the idea of we are not heard when we're expressing concerns a lot of the time. I think that's very valid. Even in the corporate world, there's that's true. S- straight up. Like I told my boss, uh, by the way, I hope he's not listening. Um, <laughs> look, I, I'm not doing this crazy shift again. Like the way that we've been put, asked to do things while the more we've got poured onto us, I'm not going to do this again. And you got to have a voice and you've got to be able to feel like you're, you're heard. And there was things put in place that are, that are going to allow me not to get, have that crazy schedule again because I felt hurt. If it, if I kept going over and over again, at some point I'm going to be like, look, enough, enough's enough. Like if you keep piling stuff on, I'm going to quit. Um, and I got to that point and I was hurt. So kudos to teachers who are saying we just want a voice and mm-hmm. we want to be heard and I have a lot of respect for that. I was so excited to be talking about doing this because nobody ever asked teachers what they think about education <laughs> and so like and they ignore a lot of the research on did you know they're trying to do online preschool right now for four-year-olds 
in North Carolina. <laughs> See, told you. So the American Academy, I have two littles in my house, you know, and they say an hour of screen time a day, an hour of screen time. And so they're like, let's put preschool online. Mm-hmm. Instead yeah. of opening up more preschool because hiring well, more is, teachers, well, this is probably oh, wow. uh, Head Start 2.0. <laughs> you, you, know, <laughs> you, remember old, you remember the old failed Head Start program? I mean, the, you know, I don't know if you're. Familiar. I don't know any of the research on it. Okay, but. well, Head Start they dumped. I mean, it was billions and billions of dollars into Head Start, and the fundamental factor after Bye, I think five to seven years after Head Start, they produced zero results out of it. So this <laughs> sounds like. Head Start 2.0, where they're going to dedicate money to it. Well, and a lot of it is because the schools can't fix society's problems. You know, the schools can't fix, we can provide breakfast and lunch, but we can't provide dinner. And so you have kids who are coming in hungry or asleep. I mean, and they're trying, and a lot of school systems are doing really great work in that area. They're trying to get medical care to the kids, and they're trying to get, I've read a great story about the, um, school that opened up the laundry, like not like a laundromat, but it was free for the kids to be able to Mm. do their laundry because those are real issues that our kids are coming to school with, but the school can't fix or help all of those outside problems. And so number one, you don't have the budget or the time. Right. What are some of those things that, that from the outside looking in that we don't see in the schools or like the kids issues? Like I, I didn't even think about laundry. (laughs) <laughs> and, and having like, you know, stinky clothes and stuff. What are some of the things that, that the average Joe may not understand that you're dealing with with kids in their home situation? I mean, I think everybody has their stuff, you know, and so it's um, it's all kinds of it's it's just humans. Right. And so right. It's, it's life happens. And so I've had like I said, I had, um, I think, seven homeless kids mm. um, in one grade level who rotated through my class one year. Wow. Um, I had a girl in my homeroom who was living in her car with her four brothers and sisters and her, both of her parents. We've had kids who, um, who are coming through the foster care system. And Mm so they're going in and out of different homes and they're trying to get to school every day or kids who are eight and they're in charge of getting up with the baby at night because mom's at work and dad's sleeping Uh because he was working all day and it's, you know, and so there's, there's lots of. So just just dynamic, people, so. you know, yeah, it's, it's the older all, child is getting up and getting all their siblings ready for school on the bus, on, on the time. bus on time and then getting faulted for sleeping in class. Mm. And, then, and then and the teacher gets faulted. Oh, well, if this kid's sleeping in your class, then you're not engaging them enough. It's your <laughs> fault. Mm. No, this kid has to wake up at like three o'clock or four o'clock in the morning and start getting everybody ready, fed because nobody's there to do that, that mm. they're playing mom or yeah. dad or whatever. <sighs> there's and there's also a student, just their own individual issues. Yeah. Um, Leanne and I want to be called Leon. I don't, mm-hmm. I want you to refer to me as he, him, not she, she, her. Yeah. There's a lot of that too. Okay. Draw this line. I mean, <laughs> I mean, what can you do about, I mean, what can you do about that? Honestly, right. I mean, you no, have to keep an open mind when you work in the public school system. I, I know that, but I'm just saying like the, all these things that we face, you know, the kids face I, and my heart goes out to it. Cause they hear about yeah. the homeless situations, you know, mm-hmm. uh, knowing Kids whose parents are heroin drug addicts. I mean, whatever. There's so many dynamics. I mean, how many kids are raised in one fam, one parent household right now? Yeah. There's so many things, and I, I, I don't ever want to feel like we have to lay that burden upon the, the teachers to take care of that. And I know that we feel that we have to, especially if we try to be the hands and feet of Christ. We try to intervene in that and try to make sure. a difference in people's lives. But, um, I mean, we, as a 
member of society and a taxpayer, I don't expect our teachers to do that. Hopefully the fellow community were, would do that. I mean, yeah. there's not enough time in the day to take care of everybody's problems. I, I mean, mean, we'll just tack on another, you know, 10 hours of your work to have to deal with that. <laughs> but, it, you know, it's those, it's those things that we don't see, you know. We just see a nice, pretty school and apples for the teachers and yeah. that kind of stuff that you don't you don't see the the behind the scenes things and, and students, i would say students yeah. love i'm sorry students love their teachers i'm sure you deal with this you teach third grade i, I see you as being a caring nurturing type of teacher that's just how i'm Thanks. seeing you right now I, I see that i hope they agree and on it well you do and, and and i'm the same way i love my teenagers i love them they're funny they so have a lot bless of you oh and they're little stinkers too but i still love them and, and that's the thing that keeps me there that's what keeps mm. me there I mean, I had a rough fall semester. He can tell you, <laughs> I wanted to quit. Mm-hmm. I was I was trying to figure out other opportunities, but this semester has been better, and it's because of students. The kids. Yeah. I changed my focus. I said, you know what? I'm not going to focus on all this mm-hmm. outer stuff. I'm going to focus on them. And I started walking around my classroom more, getting to know my kids more, and I absolutely just. I mean, I love them anyway, but right. it just helped me regroup myself and stop focusing on all these negative things that are make, that we're the teachers are going to battle for yeah. right now, and get back to what? Why did I choose this? Why do I love this? I didn't necessarily go into teaching, wanting to teach. Mm. I went into art and lived in Rutherford County. Mm. Not a whole lot of art opportunities mm. going on there, <laughs> yeah. and you know what? Did I get out of college. I got all these great ideas, and I'm like, I'm gonna apply here and work for the newspaper and I don't know, do out and set up on the newspaper layout. They kind of think, no, they don't call you. <laughs> I send stuff out, nothing. No calls. I call, hey, this is Leah Jackson. Or Davis at the time. And, but it's it's not what you, you know, I'll, it's, mm. when you live in that area, you don't, if I lived in Charlotte, yeah, maybe I would have mm-hmm. had more opportunity. Makes sense. But I just, I have to get back to when I started, uh, decided to go to UNC Charlotte, to te- to get my teaching license after I already graduated from college. And I got in the classroom and I'm like, oh my gosh, I really love this. This is really great. Mm. And I taught elementary for eight years and now I'm in high school, but I love my high schoolers. Like nice. I wouldn't go back to elementary. <laughs> you lose your but, planning period. But low, I, I know, <laughs> right? But I love, I love that level and I, and I see you as being a really great teacher. So. And I think it's part of the thing is a lot of people make decisions and this is in any field, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I know what doctors do. I go to the doctor sometimes, right? right? And so they're like, everybody's like, well, I went to school. I know what teachers do. Right. And so, Mm -hmm. but I think the ability to recognize that maybe we don't always see Mm -hmm. the big picture here. And so if this is a concern of yours, please go to your child's school and say, how can I, what can I do here? Like, mm. p- please proctor an EOG or please right. yes. come <laughs> do, you know, what, that whatever. Painful, like, get... I don't know what that means, but ouch. Well, well I, I'm not allowed to sit down for four. I did volunteer for my, my, my first yes. grade, for my second grader, uh, first grade. Yeah, first grader. God, I can't keep grade straight. I, I did volunteer to be a room mom for my first grader, but they, they turned me down. Yeah. So Why? I, I don't know. I have no clue. That is so terrible. Man. There's so I've never had a room mom before. Males. Yeah. Male yeah, I, involvement I, I, is that. I've, I've volunteered and they said, I'm sorry, sir. That makes me sad. Yeah, it does. Well, trust me, my, my oldest daughter, I was a room mom for three years, so. <laughs> I did it all. I know. That's amazing. Let's end on a happy note. What are some of your favorite teachers that you've had growing up and like, why did they impact you the most? 
my third grade teacher, this is random, but she was third grade. We had a classroom full of animals. So I remember the big, we had an albino rat. We had some kind of lizard. Um, I feel like there was a snake in there. And I remember begging my mom to let me bring the albino rat. You know, they have like no hair on their tails and red eyes. Right? And so I was like, can we please bring him home for the weekend? And so that's one of the things that I remember most about Mrs. Bush in third grade. Nice. <laughs> Room full of animals. I have to say, I guess the one that sticks out the most. I was like one of those crazy kids who could spell really, really well. Really, because English was one of my other loves. Because I almost, I was almost an English teacher, but um, Miss Owens, she was my sixth grade teacher, and she coached me and nurtured me. And she was just great. I don't know. I, I, I guess she sticks out more to me because I remember every year I'd win the spelling bee, and I was in sixth grade. Sixth graders didn't really necessarily compete. We just kind of got to be there, but I, I beat the seventh and eighth graders. I beat everybody. <laughs> and it was great. <laughs> so, nice. Like every year. In one year, I was late because I had a dentist appointment and they had the spelling bee and they tried to hold it back for me to get there, but I didn't make it in time. They had the mm. spelling bee without me. And so oh, somebody no. else won. And when I came in, my principal, Mr. Beam, who was great too, he was like, we missed you for the spelling bee. And then Miss Owens was there like, where were you? Oh, we tried no. to. So, and, and I was in the eighth grade at that point. I think it was my last year. Mm. And I was in eighth grade because my school ran from second to eighth. Oh, wow. Yeah. Interesting. Well, I was in school a long time ago. So, <laughs> <laughs> and then I went to high school from there. What's yours? Uh, I had uh, Mr. Beckmeyer. Uh, I remember he taught history. And the only thing I remember from his class is he told us about some historical figure that got shot. And part of his forehead ended up in the, the fireplace mantle. I remember that. Who was the guy that got shot? I don't, I don't know. Like, oh, I'm you horrible. remember the gory details. Right? <laughs> yeah. I, I just remember like he would he would talk about history and I really loved the stories that he would give. Um, and he really connected with the kids. The other one uh, in college was Tom Costa. Um, he was the greatest, weirdest man ever um, <laughs> that told you about like breaking paradigms and not and learning how to think for yourself. And he helped with personal finance. And that really kind of put a spark uh, in me to get kind of Dave Ramsey-ish. Um, and well, several years later. Um, but he was a really great teacher. And I, and I had a lot of respect for him. So do you have any... Any teachers? Uh, sixth grade. Uh, oh, yeah. Mr. I forgot about Miss Goodman. Hey, hey, buddy. I'm just going to leave her out. Uh, Mr. Dennis, he uh, was a history teacher, and he, for some reason, instilled history and mm-hmm. uh, and just learning history. So uh, my love for history comes from Mr. Dennis in sixth grade. And then uh, my seventh grade teacher, Miss Biddlecombe, and we still, I still keep in touch with her. Oh, wow. Um, That's awesome. But uh, Mr. Dennis, uh, uh, he looked like George Jefferson. <laughs> And he he, he used to do, he used to do the show uh, the shuffle and the oh, loafers nice. and crack up, but anyway, Miss Biddlecombe, um, she was my seventh grade homebound teacher because I had I was out of school for a year with okay. cancer, and um, not that she was a great teacher at that time, mm-hmm. but she was there exactly what I needed to be. Mm-hmm. She cared about you. She cared, and we I mean we've you know thicker than thick as thieves, you know. So, yeah. um, but yeah, so that, those are probably the two teachers, and also Mr. Pageant, who used to come in drunk for algebra and during his last year. I mean, <laughs> I passed algebra with an A, and you know, but I, I don't know anything about algebra. Attaboy. <laughs> awesome. Well, guys, thank you so much for what you do uh, every day. Oh, Marty, were you going to? Yeah, actually, I, sorry. If you don't mind, I would come like on. to give a shout out to somebody because I love it. it. I love this man. Uh, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade history. 
I had Ron Crandall in Rogersville, Missouri, a town of 742 people. That's why I had him for three straight years. Um, I love the man to death. And I recently reconnected with him about uh, two years ago. I left uh, Missouri in 1985. Oh, wow. And uh, lost touch with him when I left. And uh, we kept up you know, for a few months after I moved, but uh, recently reconnected with him about two years ago. Wow. That's um, awesome. And like I said, I love the man to death. Definitely instilled a love of history for me. Uh, it also got me hooked on the show MASH. Oh, so uh, <laughs> still watch MASH every weekend. That's your wife for Priscilla. So, um, yeah, so that, I love that man. I, nice. I, best teacher I've ever had in my life, hands down. Very cool. Very cool. Well, again, thank you guys so much for what you do. Um, uh, if nothing else, just know here that you are valued and appreciated, and we will listen to you if nobody else will. So thanks. come on the show anytime. We'll talk teacher stuff anytime you want and <laughs> try to get the word out of what you guys are dealing with. So. Awesome. Thanks. Thank you. All right. Once again, this is the Southern Fried Philosophy Podcast. You can find our website at southernfriedphilosophy.com. You can go to our Facebook page at Southern Fried Philosophy, our Instagram and Twitters at SFP Radio. You can also go to iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeart. States Vegas Radio, don't forget. Yeah, just anywhere you listen to uh, your podcast, whatever app it is. I think it, Podbean is something else. I mean, anyway, you can yep. just go look up Southern Fried Philosophy, find us there, give us a like, a subscribe, a share. Uh, review. Um, that's how we move up the old podcast algorithms. Yeah. Um, if you also, the other thing, I don't know if you, if we've mentioned this before, but if you say like, Hey, Alexa, play the Southern Fried Philosophy podcast on iHeart, it'll, it'll pull right up there you go. and Google and all those fun things. So how about you? <laughs> I just saw, I just saw the beam and <laughs> uh, the, the, this meme the other day, <laughs> the, the what? The, this meme, the kid goes, mom, why are you whispering? And mom goes, because I don't want, because the government's listening. And then the kid laughed and she laughed and Alexa laughed. So. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks again for tuning in. Again, this is the Southern Fried Philosophy Podcast. Hey, just a heads up. We got, um, this is episode 98 and we will be having episode 100 coming up. We've got some really cool stuff planned for that. So tune into that. And as always, keep looking up. Keep looking up.